Oh, baby, baby. Oh, baby, baby. Oh, baby, baby. How was I supposed to know that you preferred the Simpsons? Oh, baby, baby. Just give the talking dog a a motherfucking chance. If you really, really hate it, I need you to tell me right away, cause it's a sign. My stewylessness is killing me, and I, I must confess, I still believe, still believe that new family guy is better than new Simpsons. Baby, let's watch Family Guy. That's it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There we go. Been doing a song parody <laughs> of a real podcaster in our midst for once, and I'd fuck it up. I fucked the whole thing up. So thanks for enduring that. No. <laughs> Are you just gonna like stop the podcast and go into your car like Philip Seymour Hoffman? Yeah, I'm a fucking idiot. I'm Fuck. What was I listening? I was listening to something or like watching something. Oh, it was a podcast which shall not be named. I'm gonna stop there. I don't even. I don't want to get myself further uh, in trouble by talking about that. But I was thinking about Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah. yesterday a lot. So that that that's the, what that gotcha. Is. Yeah, you know, we d- have had too many angry. Well, we haven't had too many angry DMs. We've had a lot of very supportive DMs saying like, "We love the song parodies. Keep doing the song parodies." <laughs> yeah, this will be. Those will be done after this episode comes out. So. Uh, yeah, you're listening to It's On The List as a podcast about underrated movies, media, music, so much more. I am, of course, the funny talking baby Noah Marger, and with me, as always, is my little friend, Mason McGuire. Hi, Mason. Hey, it's me. It's the Great Gazoo. It's, uh, it's, it's Mr. Magoo. It's, uh, funny talking dog. Flyboy Mason. Flyboy. <laughs> you know, Laker girl Mason. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's your boy. I'm here. Uh, back for another week of this show. How you doing, Noe? How's been your How's been your week? Dude, listen, listen. The skies are clear again. The air quality has gone back to uh, breathable where I am, uh, and that's uh, been really nice because getting outside is the only res- respite, respite, however you want to say it. It's been the only respite from what's otherwise been a fucked up crazy year and i just love going outside right now so that's been nice you know uh other than that just been busy i guess just you know we got we got something cooking mason you and i which we don't really need to talk about uh much more than that it can be a little bit surprised for the uh for the avid listeners but doing all right doing okay it's been busy but it's been good how about you Still busy, good. I took a uh, personal weekend, personal day. Took a little, gave myself a little three day weekend last weekend. Felt very restorative. It was very nice to there you go. Uh, be uh, kind of you know give myself a little break. Trying to give myself a little break. Trying to give myself a lot of patience. Give yourself a Kit Kat bar. Give myself a kick. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Trying to just yeah. uh, you know uh, acknowledge the rough feelings as they come up. And there then uh, just sit with them and give them their time. 
uh, listening to a lot of like mindfulness podcasts that have been very helpful for my mental health recently. So uh, maybe there'll be a little pluggerino at the end of the show. But I'm doing fine. Maybe. And you know what? That's good. You know what? What? We got a guest this week. Yes. Yes. We do have a guest this week. You, listeners at home or in your car or at work or in a big building, wherever you are, you may know this guest as the new TV editor at Merry Go Round Magazine. Claps, claps, claps for that. Brand new. Thank you, Chef. You can also listen to her, if you're not already, on her podcast where she makes her way through the bro canon and that's now out from behind the paywall. So you can listen on Spotify, you dumb pieces of shit, if you don't know how to do the Patreon for Merry Go Round. Yeah, Come on. Yeah, come on, guys. Come on, just subscribe. subscribe. It's two bucks a month. <laughs> come on. I finally did it after wow. years of ignoring it. I did it finally. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Got my sticker, got my personal note from former editor in chief, Thomas Saradarian, who said, said some nice things. <laughs> Don't need to go into it, but he was very nice when I, when I, when I said that I would do uh, the Patreon. But you can listen to her podcast. Aya versus the big boys. You know who it is. Please welcome to the show, Aya Layman. Aya, welcome to the show. Hi. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Hi, boys. How are you? Good. (laughs) Her show is Aya versus the big boys. No, this is Aya versus the the tired boys of It's on the List (laughs) podcast. Uh, How you doing, Aya? I'm vibing. I'm simply vibing, Mason. Uh... I'm hanging in there, you know. Cool. Quarantine. <laughs> okay. This happens on my podcast every week because, like, how do you respond to that? I don't know, man. I'm chilling. It's quarantine, baby. Nothing's good. It is It is wild that it is uh, almost the end of September. I believe that when this episode drops, canonically, it will be the beginning of October already. And um, time doesn't mean anything anymore. Mm-mm. You just do the things that you're doing. And, and endure and survive and that's all that one can do right now it seems it's gorgeous beautiful yeah did you just come did you write that did you just come up with that i've been doing yourself? a hell of a lot of journaling uh i will say i feel like i've written that same thing in my journal probably 15 times since april or march i don't know and now that i've willed it into the universe it can belong to more people than just the little little blue notebook i got back there yeah, there you go. I think in my journal, I keep writing like, what the fuck is Mason doing on mic every week? And so, you know, that's 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 a little bit of a difference between uh, my journal and your journal. But yeah. to each their own. Am I right? Oh, definitely. And you know what? If you want to just make your journal like a burn book, uh, I'm really cool <laughs> with that, too. If you want to or a very public website <laughs> for everybody to read. <laughs> they can read all the the angry me- my manifesto. Yeah. <laughs> as it were. So. Um, I, uh, I know you are in LA right now. Uh, we have been, uh, discussing very briefly the fire situation. Were you at all impacted by fires in any way, shape or form? What was your um, situation? Personally? That? No, I live in the Valley, uh, which is very far from, um, the current fire situation in LA, but my parents live very close. So it's been me basically texting oh, them every morning being like, you good. And so far, no problems, no problems so far. But there was a moment there where I texted them, like, how's everything going? And my dad just said, you know, mom's in the front yard with the hose. Just (laughs) nice. Love that. Okay. Mom was about ready to get a a fire hat on, and she was about to say, I'm about to put that bitch out myself. Yeah, she was like, no, 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 not having it today. Okay. 
And for the listeners at home, you won't be able to see what I, me and Mason are seeing right now. But Aya is continually looking around to make sure that her cat is okay. So what is what's is it Rosie? Right, that's the name of the cat. Her name is Olive. Olive, I'm sorry. What is the Olive update? Can you give us a quick Olive update? Olive is good. Her name is Olive Catherine Bigelow Lehman. Um, she's my literal like everything. I just picked her up in uh, July, so. We're getting to know each other. Um, I would, like, I literally got her, and like the next day, I was like, I get John Wick. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Well, John Wick might be coming up actually later in the show in a very weird tangential way. I don't know if any of you have the connect for that quite yet. I might be playing forty chess. You're playing sixty chess right now, Chef. I'm eagerly waiting. Whatever connection you're gonna make with these did you watch like did you did you watch like a youtube fan video of um john wick set to look what you made me do by taylor swift so please send it to me listen uh we might have to get the uh, unpaid interns of the show on that so hey guys like guys come here yeah, we, we got a guest who really wants to see a video that definitely doesn't exist yet, so um, go ahead and get I, on that. Thanks. I bet you five American dollars, I will literally Venmo you both, that I could find a fan video of John Wick set to look what you made me do. Yeah, and if you can't... I'll take that bet. I will take that bet, <laughs> and if you can't find it, you can just put that up on Fiverr and underpay somebody to make that for you. I will make it. I'll do it. I know Premiere, baby. I got this. Let's go. Oh, she's got the Adobe Suite. She's got the Adobe Suite. She's got got Creative Cloud, baby. I'm ready to go. Oh, she's got Photoshop. She's got Illustrator. She's got InDesign. I've got it all. Hell yeah. All right. Enough enough of that. (laughs) Enough silliness. Okay, guys. Come on. This is a very serious academic podcast that we run here. Um, which is why we're talking about Taylor Swift. Which is why we are talking about Taylor Swift. Hey, 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 she well, is <laughs> academia, okay? Well, before we get okay. into that, uh, we tease this off mic for... Oh, yeah, Mason, you are always coming in clutch oh, with memories. Um, Thank you. So, Aya is the TV editor for um, Married Around Magazine, and if you listen to her um, very good podcast, Aya versus the Big Boys, which is now uh, uh, off of the paywall... You will know that she is the world's number one Mindhunter stan and is a very big David Fincher fan. Um, I will say the first episode of Aya vs. the Big Boys I listened to is the one where they covered Robocop in 7. I know Aya is a very big Fincher stan. And when we were getting this together, she had... So she said before that she was... um, She just watched Panic Room. And I know that she also recently saw the movie Curious Case of Benjamin Button for the first time. So, Aya, have you seen every Fincher movie at this point? Quite literally, the reason that I was a little late to this is because I was watching Alien 3, which, con- which finished up my my Fincher watch. I've seen them all. Gotcha. Wow. And I, okay. so, when <laughs> she was coming on the pod, and I knew how big of a Fincher stand she was, I threatened, and listeners... Slide into my DMs to tell me that I'm wrong, but I threatened to share my Fincher ranking. Now, I'm not saying that this is good, but I am saying it's correct. So, Aya, do you have a a Fincher ranking that you would like to share with the folks? I personally don't. uh, Not yet. Um, (laughs) Damn, Mason, get absolutely fucked, Yeah, well, maybe this is not going to be appropriate. (laughs) I thought we were going to have something to talk about here, but... No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. Okay, so here's why. I could... I could put one together in the next, like, five, ten minutes. Like, while you're doing your whole situation, I could put it together. 
but I I haven't watched Zodiac since 2015, and I haven't watched Dragon Tattoo since I first saw it, so I don't feel okay. comfortable making it yet, but I could definitely give you, like, my top five, probably. So why don't we do that? So what is, what's your Finchy top five? What's your top Fincher Finchy right top here? five. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mason did say that I can't include mine, Hunter. What? So whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're very we're very strict on when it, we're very strict on one thing on this podcast, and it's not including mine, Hunter, in the Finchy top five. So. It's, it's super super. We're super super. Okay, so number one is um, it's tough for me. I'm already struggling. Okay, my favorite <laughs> <laughs> my favorite movie of literally all time is The Social Network. So I I guess yeah. technically that's number one. So I'll put Social Network at number one. Uh, Are you glad that there's basically like a real life tangible Da Vin- like like Winklevoss Da Vinci like thing happening right now where like the Da Vinci boys are like taking over the internet because I feel like they're like the most tangible thing we've had to the Winklevoss twins in a, in a minute. That's scary, Noah. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my okay. All right, what's number two? I'm sorry. Uh, number two, I'm like, let's move on. Uh, I hate those guys. They're scary. Uh, number two. Like, literally, like, neck and neck, it's Gone Girl, which is a masterpiece. Like, yeah. thank you, God. Thank you, David Fincher, for my life, my soul, my heart. Like, everything about my personality is the greatest one of all time, Gone Girl. Um, and then probably, <laughs> oh, see, this is where it gets hard. I love Fight Club so much. I'm a little boy at heart. I love me some Fight Club, but <sighs> Seven is a masterpiece. So I think it's going to be yes. Seven. Mm-hmm. Thank and God. Then, thank God. Thank God, he says. And then Fight Club. And then Five, I feel, is up for grabs. I'm not... I I, I think it's probably Zodiac, because Zodiac's really good. I just haven't watched it in a while. But I did... Oh, I, yeah. I really liked... I really like Panic Room, I'll be honest. I really enjoyed wow. Panic Room. <laughs> Panic so Room I'm, was really fun. I mean, it's also gay cinema, which he uh, accidentally made. So um, that's part of it for me. But uh, overall... Wait, Panic Room really is gay Panic. cinema extrapolate on that i'm curious jodie foster and Kristen stewart are your stars that's fair. queer cinema baby <laughs> <laughs> that's fair listen that's that's totally fair uh i will also say with my list i can give you my top five because i also haven't seen fight club in a very long time or panic room i think i the, the one and only time i've seen panic room even though i own the dvd was like in a car when we were driving to cleveland once um to Damn, visit my mom bro. at school so it's kind of like low on a my laptop ranking. or like on the back of it or like in like an old school like van like TV screen on the back of a uh, basically chair. on a van. I think it was on a laptop. I can't remember. It could have been on like a small screen, but it was definitely not the ideal panic room viewing experience. So before we get into this fight, I, I'm yes. so sorry. Quick tangent. Um, yeah, no, definitely. If you'll see the chat, I already found the John Wick fan video. <laughs> Calm the fuck Hell on. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. You kidding so me? I'm looking forward to that $5 no. sitting in my Venmo balance in the next couple of minutes here. All right. So Damn. here's, so here's, this is what's going <laughs> to No, come on. That's for real. That's insane. 132 views. Fuck, you knew. You fucking played us like fiddles. You knew that this existed. God damn it. Okay. I'm sorry. I just am well aware of the internet. Okay. I'm just logged on, Noah. Sorry. Damn. I feel fucking hustled. All right. Mason, come on. Let's do this. Let's fucking do this. Let's fight. And I will say, I want to get this off, off the bat, off the top here. No disrespect to Aya and her taste. Social network just missed. Whoa. Social network just missed my cut. I will say that's probably for the top five. What the top fuck? Five? Are you kidding me? 
Mason. I didn't say that you got this. Listen, DMs are talking. open. Just if keep you guys talking. want to sk- yell at me, number five, seven. Okay. Number Hello. four. All right. And I do love this movie dearly, and no one knows it. And he was mad at me when I said this was better than Social Network on our best of decade show. But I stand by it because I just rewatched it. My number four, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah, not better than Social Network, baby. I'm too bad. I disagree. Too too, uh, bad. I disagree. I think the Social Network is a very good drama, but I think that Girl with a Dragon Dragon Tattoo um, depicts people's internet behavior, how they interact with technology better than any sort of contemporaneous movie and almost better than any movie that's come since. So that's my rationale. My number three is Zodiac. I do love me some Zode. Haven't seen it. Zodiac's haven't great. seen it in years. Would probably rock it up uh, if I rewatched it. But for right now, it's sitting pretty at number number three. Number two, Gone Girl, absolute masterpiece. masterpiece. There we go. Masterpiece. You guys are in absolute agreement on that. Um, masterpiece. <laughs> and here's my number one. And here's my number one. Uh, Don't say not because it's not because it's my. Well, it is basically by default is my favorite David Fincher movie. I also think it's the best movie that he's directed. In this mysterious case, of Benjamin Button. It's Benjamin. I knew wow. it was Benjamin Button. I knew that. I fucking knew it. when you said I have a, when you said I have a controversial Fincher take. I was like, it's that Benjamin Button is his best movie, and that's a fucking lie. How dare you? Damn. Go explain. Is Benjamin is Benjamin Button the Forrest Gump of the aughts? Absolutely not. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I actually no. don't think it's as no, good no, as Forrest no, no, Gump. No, 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 that's my Benjamin Damn, Button take. Okay. Some people were born to dance. That's my Benjamin Button take. Let's move on to the consider, show. So you consider you consider Benjamin Button to be like life affirming, and that's why you really like it. Yes. Mason, before we actually dive into anything Taylor Swift related, there's actually there's actually something else that we need to do, and that is we have a piece of fan mail to read as well. Oh, we do have a piece of fan mail to read. Let's open the fan mail bag, which is the intro I just made up once for again, that segment. So. Once again, uh, everybody wants to the number two get on the list at gmail.com is how you can get in contact with us. And we will read maybe your email on the show. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, we got some correspondence from good old former guest and friend Dustin Titcomb, a.k.a. Dusty Tits. And uh, he sent us a very nice message, which you read on the show. And then in response to that, us reading it on the show, he sent us this. <clears throat> Hello, Mason. I'm addressing you directly because I know you don't allow your co-host access to this email account. (laughs) Smart move. (laughs) Not true. I gave him the password, but he still hasn't checked the email. Uh, Smart move. It's impossible for me to get access. Keep going. Smart move. (laughs) I'm writing today to express my shock at the targeted smear job committed against me on episode 42 of your podcast. This heinous act cannot go unpunished, and I will be starting a petition on change.org today asking for the <laughs> permanent removal of Mr. Noah Marger as the co-host of It's On The List. These are unsettling times indeed, but I have firm faith in your ability to steer the ship and right the wrongs that have occurred. Should Mr. Marger remain on the show, you can forget the possibility of me ever becoming a subscriber to your Patreon. You can kiss that one buck a month, <laughs> month goodbye. Sincerely, Dustin Titcom, Postscript, Lock the Gates! PPS on Noah. Dustin, I have one thing to say to you, and that is, please get me removed <laughs> of the show. 
please God, do your thing, buddy. I have Thank very exciting news. Noah will be off the show, and the new co-host will be the uh, Brad Pitt as the uh, as the Benjamin Button baby, where he's the old man but the baby. That's no. gonna be the new co-host from now on. By the way, I am not mean saying asking you. Do you think it's the Forrest Gump of the aughts? Not a diss. Forrest Gump used to be my favorite movie for a long time. I have nothing but love for Forrest Gump. I know. Just uh, that's true. I it's it's uh it's just <laughs> that's okay. That's fine. I understand. I understand. I understand. I just have kind of a uh, Forrest Gump just kind of sets off my fight or flight response. So that's why it's crazy, that bro. Come on, there, but um. Okay. Speaking of flight or fight, we have an album to dig into today that is brought to us by none other than Chef Aya, and that, of course, is Reputation by Taylor Swift. Hell yeah, brother. Claps, 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 claps. Aya, we asked you to please pick something, and you could have picked anything in the entire world within reason, and you chose Reputation by Taylor Swift. Why did you choose <laughs> Reputation by Taylor Swift to bring on this show? Is your question, why did I do this to you? <laughs> My qu- not exactly. <laughs> My question is, why did you bring this album onto the show? To that quote the, the greatest program of all time, uh, Real Housewives of New York City, how could you do this to me, question mark? Um, I have, okay. So the conceit of this podcast is, Let's talk about underrated media, correct? Correct. Yes. I've had, I was like thinking, I was going like, you know, highbrow. I was like, what takes do I have? And here's the thing. I'm not a music guy. I am, I'm not a music, I like, I'm like very dumb in terms of music. I like things that make me smile. I did listen to Taylor Swift's entire discography today and yesterday. Ooh. Like I am, was going to, I was thinking about, you know, I was like, what Vampire Weekend album do people not like? And I was like, fuck it. Damn. Galaxy Brain, let's do Reputation by Taylor Swift. <laughs> An album that people hate. They hate it. They hate mm-hmm. it. What did you guys think? I mean, can I lead the conversation? Will you lead the conversation? What did you guys think of Reputation by Taylor Swift? Or do you want to know why I brought it on? Do you want to know my relationship with the album? Like, what, what's Here's- the vibe? literally everything you just said i want to know at some point like literally so but i and i am curious like you know answer answer the question pile why did you bring this album onto the show okay i do i like i feel one of the few things i can really intelligently discuss is taylor swift which is real it sounds really stupid but it's i always joke that i'm a taylor swift scholar like this is something that i've known i've been aware of been very invested in since I was like 15 years old. Like I, if there's one thing I can do, it's talk about Taylor Swift. So I was like, let's talk about Taylor Swift, you know, and her new album just came out. Like the thing about reputation is it's not very good, but I am obsessed with it. And I think that that is fun. (laughs) I love that though. I love things that are not good, but you just can't get enough of it. That's a very particular like energy that I think is so important. And I think that like, that's where real joy is. Like you, you listen a real joy in, uh, that you can find from like uh, an album or a movie or a TV show or something. Where, or a TV show like family. It's like, it's <laughs> the sort of, you know, the, 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 the qualities externally applied by culture or whatever that are like, Oh, this, I shouldn't like this. 
don't matter because it just, the thing makes you feel so good. And I think that that's very special. And I love that you brought this, that that's what you were bringing on the show with this. I think that's really, that's really nice. I think it's nice. I think it's fun. <laughs> um, I had you guys read an article that I wrote for the artist formerly known as Crossfader Magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, it was literally Crossfader when I wrote this. Um, <laughs> about... Taylor Swift's album Reputation and I yes. was very very mean about Reputation if you recall yeah. yeah yeah you were I was that's what I was shocked about like first of all so the sequence of events for Mason and I are Aya what do you want to talk about on this show I want to talk about Reputation by Taylor Swift okay fuck <laughs> we listen to the album and then prior to us recording I was like I'm going to do, literally, I think your quote was, I'm going to do the unthinkable and plug a piece that I wrote about Taylor Swift. And then not only did you send us an article or a review, I guess, of Reputation from 2017 from the artist normally known as Crossfade Magazine, you also sent us an article about Miss Americana, which is the doc about Taylor Swift. So we yes. had, like, you know, two two pieces of meat to chew on, you know, prior to show day, so... And they're very both nice. very critical of her. Um, they are. I, we will link them in the show notes below, folks, so you can read along if you're so inclined. The thing about Reputation is when I first heard it, I was like, <sighs> my review is very, as I said, it was very mean. I was, it, it's, I recognized that it was not very good. Like I sure. fully listened to the album was like, this is bad. The thing about it though, I listened to it like, 50 times. I downloaded it before I hopped on a flight and then I listened to it over and over and over again. Like I literally could not stop listening to it. It was constantly stuck in my head. Um, but I was still like at the time, I mean, it's such a contextual piece. Like I feel like that's people say folklore is a con is like a concept album. I think reputation is way more of a concept album for her. Mm -hmm. Like it was so deeply rooted in how she was being perceived in the media and how it was literally like she, it's one of her most personal albums, which feels insane because it's so crazy and so all over the place, but it is one of her most personal albums. It's truly like I was talking about it today and I said, this album is pure mania. Like it's everything you go through when you're basically having a manic episode (laughs) because her life was just like truly like falling apart in front of her face. Mm-hmm. her idea of her life, her idea of her reputation, her like relationship with fame, like all these things are falling apart in front of her face. And so she was truly just spiraling out. And so this album is like her being like, yeah, I'm a bad bitch. What about it? But then also kind of being like, I'm really sad though. And everything fucking sucks and everyone hates me. <laughs> and <it's just> like, <laughs> it balances between the two so much. And I, I think that's why part of why I like it because it's just so, hyperactive like it's just so like yeah, it's you got feel energy like, i feels like that uh comic strip where the guy it's like the little fox and he's like i'm <laughs> feeling fucking pumped <laughs> i've created a small fire <laughs> like that's Whoa. reputation um, so I, I pulled this quote from your from your review uh that i wanted to read on the show i didn't think i'd get to it so soon but this is the quote that I pulled from it, and it says, The conceit of reputation is that you think you know Taylor Swift. She begins by serving you this version of herself that isn't real, a serpentine bitch who breaks hearts in search of a fight. She constantly sings of her, quote, big reputation in an attempt to convince us that she's owning it. The conclusion of the album proves that she's not. 
this new Swift is a little broken. She's afraid that her reputation will ruin something good with Alwyn. That's in reference to Joe Alwyn, the person that she was dating at the time. Not a Swift scholar, so I don't know if they're still together, but dating at the time. <gasps> oh, oh, okay. Very good. We love that. We love we love that she's finally found someone. <laughs> um, she uh, She's afraid that, she, her, that her reputation will ruin something good with Alwyn. She's been abandoned by her Fairweather friends, and she has no way of knowing what's next. That is, of course, from your article that you wrote for the then Crossfitter magazine. And so... <laughs> I got to be honest with you, when I was listening to it prior to reading your piece on it, didn't pick any of that up <laughs> at all. I was just like, so I'll say it. I was pleasantly surprised by reputation. Really? I, I was. I went in thinking this is going to suck shit. This is going to just be so difficult to get through and i like to listen to the albums in the car i like to actually go on drives during my day i'm not currently working i'm you know held up in portland oregon you know just basically just trying not to catch uh covid19 and i like to go on daily drives and i love to listen to these albums in the car makes me feel like i'm actually accomplishing something by driving and listening to music it makes me feel like i'm actually living a normal life uh, and I was kind of having a really good time <laughs> listening to this album. I was like very pleasantly surprised. There are some songs on here that feel like just pure radio fun. Like that's mm. literally what it feels like. It feels like pure radio fun. I'm not a T-Swift stan at all. I probably wouldn't even consider myself a T-Swift fan. I remember hearing teardrops on my guitar when it came out in like 2009 or whatever, 2008, 2009, and literally thinking – oh, this person's probably going to be a huge star, but I thought she was going to be like a huge star in like the country pop way Mm -hmm. that she was going to be a huge star. I did not think that she was going to be like a mega pop star. I thought she's going to crush it in the country world. She's going to have some crossover into the pop world. It's going to be great. Little did little did we know, yeah. like they say in Stranger Than Fiction, little did we know (laughs) uh, (laughs) that she was going to be arguably the biggest star in the world, you know, Mm -hmm. arguably the biggest star in the United States, arguably one of the biggest stars of all time. So yeah, just to get us kicked off, I was very pleasantly surprised by reputation. Mason, what's your relationship with T Swift and what was your experience listening to this? album? Uh, My relationship with T Swift. um, (laughs) I don't know if the audience knows this uh, and I don't know if it's, uh, but I am a, I am a dumb little boy. I am very stupid. I have bad opinions. I knew yes. that. Prom- I promise you. I knew to, that. If, if you need, if this is your first time listening to the show, go back to any of the other forty-something episodes and just, 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 just listen because it's, it's to any it, episode. Any episode. <laughs> pick and choose. Pick and choose because it's there. Um, it, it, all to say, I uh, kind of considered Taylor Swift for she was the big. She basically is the biggest music star on the planet, I think, inarguably or arguably. Maybe her and Beyonce are probably like neck and neck. Um, and I didn't think or want to engage with Taylor Swift more than whenever she would put out a song every album cycle. Basically, like I would listen to the hits when they came on in an Uber when I was waiting in line at the target and they, you know, they were playing her music piping in and I didn't really think to go in on like an album or a T Swift album or really engage with her until this year when folklore came out, because I kept hearing that it's her sad album and I'm like, wait a second, hold on, wait a minute. Sad music for me to listen to. 
So I listened to Folklore when in uh, kind of end of August, early September got me in that kind of like, it's, and it's a very good like kind of late summer kind of melancholic album. And I really, really like it. And I really, really appreciated it. And so I was listening to that. And then I said Reputation. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll just have to, I will now have listened to two Taylor Swift albums front to back. And uh, I was not too excited about listening to this one because I had let culture tell me uh, that this album was going to be bad just because I did not really like the song, Look What You Made Me Do, when it came out God, as a single. No. <laughs> uh, it was, I think, I think it's, it's a bad single, but I like the song more in context of the album. And I will kind of say with Noah that I'm generally vibed with the album energy even if it did kind of feel like it was getting away from like kind of my grasp on it for a bulk of it but there are a lot of really like kind of surprising like uh just just songs on here that really caught me by surprise that i really like in your review you pointed out the song getaway car that was one of my favorites um i really like so it goes i also really liked going through it when i was listening to it the song dress it really reminded me of um this Dress is a really good song. It reminds me of this artist, um, or this uh, this artist, Autre Nouveau, who I listened to a little bit in early college. And I was like, oh, I haven't thought about that guy in a while. And Taylor made a song that sounded kind of like it, and I really appreciated that. Um, and I just kind of think that on balance, I really, really, really liked and appreciated this album. And I think that it was kind of like... Um... <sighs> I'm still trying to get my head around it a little bit, I think. I, I listened to it, and it is so kind of manic and all over the place, and I think that she's... In my limited read of this, my limited time spending, spending time with this, I did kind of feel like the energy in it kind of plateaus at a point, and it's very sort of like... It's very high energy, and it's not until the end of, like, at New Year's Day where I kind of feel like I get a break from that. Yeah, New Year's Eve, or is it New Year's Day or New Year's Eve? I'm sorry. New Year's Day. New Year's, look yeah. New Year's Day. It feels very, that's probably the only track on the album that doesn't feel as homogenized as everything that we've heard before. I think that, especially if you're a Taylor Swift, a Taylor Swift for dummies type guy like Mason and I <laughs> tend to be, really, really me, it sounds like Mason actually knows way more about Taylor Swift than <laughs> me in comparison, but uh, I just really just remember, you know, Teardrops on my guitar. I remember this girl when I was in middle school would play our song off of like an LG chocolate, like running. Wow, there we go. (laughs) That was that was off her first album. That was me actually. Um, Nice to see you again. (laughs) That was you. Uh oh, damn. Okay, (laughs) damn. It's crazy because like I just remember that Taylor Swift, and then of course. You can't help but interact with the mega hits. You can't in- help interact with Shake It Off. You can't help interact with Love Story. You can't help interact with White Horse. You know, these, like, huge songs that just are inescapable on the radio. And I knew that she drifted away from country, which is how she was sort of introduced. She was introduced as country pop, you know, soft mm-hmm. country, whatever you want to call it. And little by little, that just went out the window, and she is now just like a full-blown pop star. She easily could have been on American Idol. So with this, it really feels like she's doubling down, and she's like, not only am I not country, not only am I not a pop star, I am a club hit banger. That is what Miss <laughs> T-Swift is rocking with. Um, 
I uh, you said that this is more of a concept album even than folklore, and so I'm curious what is the what is the rise and fall? What is the story here uh, for the folks at home? What is the concept as a whole uh, of Reputation? Okay, so Taylor Swift was simply vibing. Like she had she had just released her best album. I mean, that's you know it's kind of her widely acknowledged her best album, 1989 which mm-hmm. includes Shake It Off and Blank Space and Bad Blood. Like, it has hit after hit. It won her her Grammy, her second Grammy for Album of the Year. Like, massive, massive album. Huge album. She just went on this massive tour. And so she's kind of at, like, the height of her popularity in terms of, like, the version of Taylor Swift TM that I feel like people are, like, comfortable with right now. You know, or, like, were Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So there's the girl squad coming out with her every night when she performs style. Like, she's constantly surrounded by other women. Like, she's doing her whole, like... It sounds dismissive to be, like, her whole feminism thing, but, like, it really was. Like, it was truly Taylor Swift's whole feminism thing, you know, where she was kind of like, girls are awesome. And you're like, hell yeah, T.S., let's go. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And she was kind of in between, like, she was bouncing in between, like, you know, well, no, at this point she had fully, like, let the whole Kanye thing go. After Kanye, if you were living under a rock at the time, Mm -hmm. Kanye West interrupted her winning, like, best female vma or something you know and was like i'm gonna let you finish iconic moment really sad tough for her tough for her yeah yeah Mm -hmm. for anyone who's not a t-swift stand and maybe is more of a kanye person it's i made that bitch famous (laughs) just so we're all on the same page that's who that's that's what that's the moment we're talking about yeah so the thing about taylor swift that you must understand is that taylor swift has never let anything go in her entire life ever Or she gets over things. I made a joke recently. I was like, I, like Taylor Swift, get over things in, like, five-year blocks. So, like, (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, fuck that guy from 2015. And then 2020 hits, and I'm like, I'm over all five of those years. I'm done. (laughs) So Taylor Swift gets over things in, like, big chunks or never gets over them at all. I'm kind of leaning towards she never gets over things. Um, Sure. So she, fi- but she finally had said like Kanye and I are friends now. Like me and Kim are tight. Like it's all good. This is 2014 ish. 2016, he releases "Famous," the music video that features her nude in bed, the, the yeah. song that features the line, "I made that bitch famous," um, and she freaks out and does this whole like thing where she's like you know, she, like, be, she, like people who don't support women, like, she does the whole, like, white feministy thing of just being, like, you know, he, like, how dare he, like, you know, she kind of was subtle about right. it, and everyone was like, oh, she's mad about the Kanye thing. Yeah. And she was talking big shit about it. Like, she was talking, like, big, she was, it was a big talk, really, from her, you know? Like, she yeah, was, did like... Did she say yeah. something at some award ceremony about, like, tr- like, she had... Ugh, am I getting the timeline mixed up here? Didn't she say something about, like, like, really just affirming, like, her own work and her career? At some award ceremony, or am I thinking of? Yeah, I think that was later. I okay. do think that was later. Might, no, it might not have been. It might have been around that time where she was like, don't let anyone else take credit for, like, your work and making you famous. And it was yes, kind of like, yes. oh, another mm-hmm. shot at Kanye. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. So everyone was like, so she was talking a lot of talk about this. She was like, so, and and she's huge at this moment, you know, like, she, but, but she's also, like, heavily parodied. And she takes everything so personally. Again, I don't know this person. I can't be, like, making these bold claims. But she does. She really takes everything too seriously. And at a certain mm-hmm. point, you kind of have to be like, Taylor, like, you got to let it go. But she won't. And she makes everything a thing. She loves to make it a thing. And she loves to make it part of her, like, again, it sounds very dismissive, her, like, whole, like, I'm a feminist TM thing. And so 
the Kanye thing, she was like, it was all this question of like, you know, she had not let him, she had not approved this line, blah, blah, blah. And then Kim's like, actually, there was a phone call. She approved the whole thing. And everyone was like, what's the truth, you know? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Uh, in like July 2016, I ca- what a time to be alive. What a, what a, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Salad days. Kim, <laughs> Kim K posts on her Twitter, her Snapchat story. I'll yes. Time, oh my God. The video of Kanye and Taylor on the phone in which Taylor says, yes, you can do this. And it's going to be hilarious when everyone hears it. They'll think I'm mad, but I actually think it's hilarious. And then, of course, she, like, the next day is like, no, I hate it. Like, how dare he? And so Taylor Swift releases a statement that's like, you know, I knew about part of it, but I didn't know. She, she, her big thing is that she didn't know he would call her a bitch and say that he made her famous. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, I would like to be removed from this narrative, all this stuff. Everyone is, like, going all over her Instagram, posting little snake emojis because she's a snake. I I remember the snake days. I remember those (laughs) days. Big days. Her and Kevin Durant, biggest snakes of the last decade. (laughs) (laughs) So this is summer 2016. After she does all this, she's gone. She disappears completely. Like, she's off off the map. Like, no one hears from her at all. She and Tom mm-hmm. Hiddleston break up, which is a big deal for me personally. And um, <laughs> like literally no one. Has <laughs> You're like, she's... there's a shot. <laughs> yes. Thank God. She, thank God for me. Like I hear about this and I'm just like, <laughs> okay, I'm back in. Um, yeah. So maybe. no one hears from her for a full calendar year. She's like, doesn't go out. She's not photographed. She's not posting on Instagram. Like she's gone. Like no one, like it's just, oh, Taylor Swift is gone. And then she drops in the middle of, in the middle of summer, 2017, she drops, look what you made me do. And everyone freaks out and there's like all the snake imagery and it's like Taylor Swift's big comeback. And she has, instead of, um, when we, when they go low, we go high. I don't think Michelle Obama had said this just yet. Um, so she wasn't really, (laughs) she wasn't really on the whole, like, let's go high thing. She was like, no, 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 I'm going to make this my new thing. As I said, Taylor Swift likes to make everything a thing. And so she said, okay, actually my next move is not going to be the same quiet, nice girl I've always been and be like, it's fine, whatever. I'm going to fuck it up. And this is my thing now. And I'm a snake. Yes. I'm a snake and I'm manipulative. And I like to, <laughs> yeah, she just fully leans into it. She says, this yeah, is me damn. now. Respect. And, you know, right. It's kind of like part of you is like, I mean, okay, cool, whatever. And so I think that the thing about reputation is that that's not her. Like I said, it's not real. That's not a version of Taylor Swift that actually exists. You know, mm-hmm. like she's, it's kind of like, you know. It's like projecting. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what everyone has projected on her. And she's like, fine, I'll do it. If that's what you want, that's what you want. Because she loves, I mean, like, mm-hmm. she's so good at giving back to her fans. Like, giving back to her fans sounds so cheesy. But, like, she's really <laughs> good at. Giving back, yeah. She's good at understanding what people want from her. I mean, that's why Red sure. and. 1989 or like incredible albums is because she was realizing oh you know what my my music sounds better when it's pop and country and so she has like trained changed because she's like allowed fame to change her in a way and i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing but with reputation it's her being like this is what you want from me oh i'm a snake oh i'm this oh i'm i'm you know a bitch yeah sure, that's fine okay cool I'll do it. I'll do fine. You get a whole album about it. You get a whole goddamn obnoxious album cycle in which I use really ugly, bad snake imagery and I'm a snake and I'm wearing snakeskin all the time. And you, that's what you get. That's what you get. But in this time, 
And so that's like half the album. The other half of the album is very interesting because she still like falls in love literally right after yeah. this all, whole thing happens. She is in like the, because right before it all happened, she and Calvin Harris broke up. And that right. was like really tough for her, I think. That was her longest relationship as far as like I know, you know? And so that was really tough for her because also like there was a lot of stuff coming out about him and it just didn't sound great. So she, that, so her best song, Getaway Car, is about that whole situation and then why she was like, me and Tom, let's go. Well, let's have fun. She like rebounds with Tom really hard. Anyways, they break up. She meets Joe Alwyn like right after that. And that's part of the whole secrecy thing where she's like, okay, so I want to be secret because people hate me right now. And I've got this new boyfriend. So it's this weird, like, and that's another thing about the album that I like so much is that it feels like parts of herself that are fighting with each other. The entire album is this struggle where she's like, fine, I'm a bitch. I mean, and then she's also like, shit, I, I'm in love. <laughs> and that's like what she's always been so good at. And she still can't like, she still can't let that go. Like she really likes to be connected with her fans and she likes to have like these personal albums. And so as, as not herself and as conceptual and like, you know, a fun, almost cosplay as reputation can be, it's also extremely her. Like gorgeous is maybe mm, the most Taylor mm-hmm. Swift you ever you ever get in a song yeah. because it's literally That's the most like pretty her good. flirting. You know, it's like a crush song. It's perfect. And then like you get call it what you want and New Year's Day, which are and dress even, which is like an extremely romantic song. And so it's these two different parts of her that are fighting with each other because she's like, well, I still really want to honor this like wonderful thing that happened to me, that happened <laughs> right. to me even when like the worst things ever were happening to me. And so it's, it's conceptual in that, like, I mean, folklore just feels like she was like, well, let me go back to my roots and kind of see, here's what I would have become if I kind of stuck more country. I think that's what folklore feels like. Mm -hmm. And reputation is like, okay, I'm going to try to be this person that you think I am and let's do it. This is the version of Taylor Swift that you want. I'm going to do that for you. And it's not her. Like, it's not real. It's, that's why it's called reputation, because it is her reputation. It's not actually who Taylor Swift is. It's like, it's an, it's an exploration of like her public persona more than like her kind of interiority and i really liked in yeah. well one of the things in your crossfader um article that i really attached to was you pointed out that there's n- it's not a very introspective album which i think is like being a, a a taylor swift dummy taylor swift for dummy or and now probably a dummy for taylor swift because you gave us a lot of really good context that really made me appreciate both her and this album a lot more. Um, I think that given the state of her, like kind of fame and her, her, how the size of her public image to put out an album that was like kind of all introspection and her just like kind of backpedaling away from this image. I don't know. I think that, really going all out and being abrasive and being trying to put like, you know, leaning into that was probably the smarter move. Like definitely, um, and definitely with the feud between her and Kanye, because like, 
I mean, maybe she put something into the enter into the air into the energy that just like broke Kanye after that point because it really does feel like <laughs> Taylor's gonna end she up. She hexed the, him. Yeah, I think she, she hexed I him. I think she hexed him. She's definitely come out victorious. I feel um, of, of of the two and she's just like Megan shilling for Trump is she? Uh, we we hope. Uh, yeah, not. we, we don't, don't know. know. We don't I know. Not, no, yeah. we do know. She's not. She's no, she's not. Actively yeah, not. and you know what? I am oh, okay, not good. actively concerned. Him. I am not actively concerned for Taylor Swift's mental health the same way that I am concerned for Kanye's mental health uh, and kind of wish that someone Very would just true. get in front of that guy and be like, talk about your shit, fella. It seems like you're going through a lot all the time. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I mean, listen, he's got that big ass screen where he watches Blade Runner 2049 every single day, you know, so clearly he's working it out. It's just in his own little way. <laughs> he's yeah, he's do you think doing he his looks, best. Do you think he looks at like uh, K, the Ryan Gosling character is like, Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> like, just. <laughs> <laughs> He's literally like, I want to make that bitch famous. He does like a sex tape with Ryan Gosling. He's like, like God, shit. I wish that just, was like, me. <laughs> pretty much. I could, you know, fuck a hologram. That's like the only thing he hasn't probably been able to do yet is absolutely just rail. Well, not that we know. But, well, yeah, that's a true. That, that's publicly made aware. And I'm sure I if he did, he would tell us about it. I will not speak on that because I feel like that's something that could have happened. That Kim could make happen for him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kim's the mastermind behind whatever's going on over there. I have to believe because, I don't know. That whole that whole Kanye thing is a different, the different, a different discussion. Podcast. Which, if you actually, you can literally hear me, Mason, and Rocky sort of talk about it in the Buffalo 66 episode a little bit if you want to enjoy some of the back catalog a little bit. So, there you go. Weird little backward plug ass there. Okay. But uh, some of my favorite tracks on this, I I loved Don't Blame Me. I thought that song oh, was just so like. Oh, it's so good, a, right? That's a great song. It was song. so that is good. A great song. That's I was just like, this is. Too. It was just like the exact kind of energy that once I started to realize like what this album was going to sound like and like my preconceived notions of like who Taylor Swift was or what Taylor Swift is capable of doing just sort of like went by the wayside and flew out the window. I was like, okay, yeah, you are a bad bitch. Like I'm here for it. Like I'm ready to like hear you out on this one, to be honest with you. And like, you know, it's, 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 and I'm also putting this in the context of like, as someone who doesn't listen to Taylor Swift ever, except, you know, when those songs really do come out, if this was just on the radio and this just came on, I wouldn't turn it like it's one of those where I'm like, I would listen to this, you know, like this is not something I'm probably going to revisit ultimately, like with I'm like just picking music I want to play. But in the context of thinking that I was going to absolutely abhor whatever this was and just not abhorring whatever it is, I was pleasantly surprised. And, you know, I might be jumping the gun here, but I'll just say it. This is a conditional recommend for me. This is a like. If, if, if it's there, don't skip it, possibly seek it out. You know, like I'm not going to give it a full blown recommend, but it's, it's not like that bad. Like I was yeah. like, very surprised. I, so I yeah. don't know. And, uh, I'm going yeah. to jump the gun a little bit here too. <laughs> I'm going to see your conditional recommend. I'm going to get this a light recommend right in Whoa. between there. Just Whoa. because I think I Given Chef Aya's context of the whole thing really, really gave me some more appreciation for this. And I think, you know, going into this, I was more like, I didn't think this was going to be nearly as interesting of an album as it I ended up being. Like, I know I said that the energy kind of plateaus or whatever, and I, I feel like it kind of does. But I really think that it's a 55 minute long album and for 
50-ish of those minutes, I really think that she's doing her best to kind of, like, give the people what they want with this image, and then um, sort of assert her own and explore her own identity and her own, like, ideas of romance and relationships and, and working through that classic Taylor stuff, which we do love to hear. You do... You, Blank Space is one of the best songs of the 2010s. One of the best pop songs of the 2010s. I'll say it. I sing it it's in the shower. True, it's so good. I'll sing it in the shower sometimes. I'll just be sitting down in the shower and just out of nowhere, I'll just catch myself going, so it's going to be forever or it's going to go down <laughs> in flames. And you know what? Oh yeah, brother. You got, listen, that's what Taylor's good at. That's why we love her. Like, you know, for a while it was a meme that she just had all these boyfriends, but who gives a shit? Let the girl date who she wants. Let her write as many songs about all of her boyfriends as she wants. Seems like she's finally found somebody that works for her. And I want them. We love it so much. Joe Alwyn, <laughs> he was, uh, he, I believe he was Billy Lynn. He did the long halftime walk. And he was he wow, that is titular yeah. halftime walk. He did the halftime walk. He was wow. in. He's in the favorite, and he's Emma Stone. Is he the, the guy that he's Emma Stone jerks? Yeah, favorite. he's the guy that Emma Stone jerks off in the favorite, which is indeed. Um, uh, what a fun. title! What what a character description! You're reading that script, and you're like, oh, I'm the guy who's gonna get jacked off by Emma, by Emma, Emma Stone. Stone. Yeah, hell um, yes. And given all of that, like. It's a it's a brusque album, but I think kind of by design. And for that, I appreciate it, especially for like how, you know, uh, how popular Taylor Swift is. And I think like kind of like I said, history's proven her right. History's kind of like been on more pro Taylor than kind of pro her detractors. Um, and this is an interesting like kind of moment in her career that I think warrants at least like consideration. So that's why it's getting that like re- light recommendo from me. Uh, mm-hmm. Can I say something absolutely fucking crazy that literally just came into my absolutely. mind? Absolutely. Can yes. I say yes. something? Okay. It, it, yeah, it's half my podcast, so I'm going to. <laughs> I just wanted to let you guys know that it's it's about to drop. The bomb's about to drop. So we talked about Taylor, you know, and one of the things Taylor's most well-known for is the feud with Kanye. You know, we I, you went into great detail about how that was staged, ostensibly probably was staged. She tried to back away from it. In 2010, I believe, yes, in 2010, Kanye drops My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. I'm going to say Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is to 1989 what Yeezus is to Reputation. Because My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy Hmm, is this big production album, blush, you know, huge, you know, whatever, ego going on. And then he comes back with Yeezus in 2013, and it's distorted and raw and ugly. And it's such an interesting turn that I don't know if anyone, like, fully expected Kanye to make, especially at the time. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting my little tentacles out. Nodding. You know, I'm making some bold nodding. statements. I think that she's, ma- she's she's squared that. She's made it square there. I think that she... <laughs> Sick, bro. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's just interesting that, you know, two artists who are, weirdly connected in this way had these like interesting turns and again i'm thinking out loud here i'm not saying that this is you know like this like cosmic coincidence or anything i'm just i'm just asking questions you know i'm just saying you know out loud you have 1989 going into reputation and then you have my beautiful dark twisted fantasy going into yeezus very interesting turns on both a little bit different context for how their fans perceived them at the time i don't think kanye's fans were quite like you know, up his ass, I guess, for lack of a better term, like Taylor's were at the time. But it's an interesting turn nonetheless. Just wanted to throw it out there. 
that is what I wanted to say. I like it. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I'm like nodding. I'm like, okay, I like it. Like, no, I think you're right. I mean, so wait, are you, okay, I was like super not logged on at the time. I remember Thomas loved Yeezus. Did you, did fans not like Yeezus? It, I think it was very polarizing. It was polarizing. very polarizing. Yeah, that's uh, kind of my recollection of that kind of era of uh, and that album I truly think Jesus is like a masterpiece. No, I love Jesus. So I good. I think that yeah. that's um, my 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 favorite. But movie. I love it in retrospect. I remember at the time not loving it very much. I and again, Whoa. this was I was, you know, 15, 16 years old or whatever, so who gives a fuck? But like, you know, I I was like not into it at the time and then only in retrospect as I've gotten older and looking back and sort of seeing what he did next, which I think was Life of Pablo. Yeah, I think Life yeah, of Pablo yeah, is, yeah. is what comes after you know, I really do appreciate Jesus. Not, not even do appreciate. It. I really like it. I would say it's probably in my Kanye top five. You know, I'm not gonna you know sit here and try and figure that out like some other schmucks did at the beginning of this podcast. But you know, ah, <laughs> yes, brother. Um, but yeah, I'm back to Taylor on that. Just a little, you know, idea that I wanted to throw out there. I think my four favorite tracks off this are "Don't Blame Me," "Gorgeous," "Getaway Car." And New Year's Day. New Year's Day, like I said, is probably the least homogenized track on the album. It sounds the most different from everything else that you've heard. There's probably a reason it's the last track uh, on the album itself. In, in, in the benefit of time, in this, for the sake of time, uh, I will go ahead and give my, and I, I know you listen to every single show, so I don't have to explain it to you. I'll just explain it to listeners. I'm going to go ahead and give my Mercedes Valuable Player, which, Mason, can you actually remind everyone what the Mercedes Valuable Player the stands for? Yes, just the Mercedes quick. Valuable Player is a award that we give out to an element a uh, that could be an actor uh, in a movie, a uh, track on an album, or just like kind of the general vibe or aura of something. Um, we do it in honor of uh, Connie from Married to the Mob, played by Mercedes Ruel. Um, she is the... Cute. Yeah, and she, we do it in honor of her, in honor of that performance, and that's what the Mercedes Valuable Player. So what's your Mercedes Valuable Player for this this here album here? Thank you. Yeah, thank you for reminding the listeners on that one what that is. I know, is, I'm so sick of fielding cool. DMs of people being like, can you explain Mercedes <laughs> Valuable Player again? Yeah, I know. People are, our fans are fucking yep. so hard. <laughs> uh, my, my Mercedes, <laughs> they would agree. My Mercedes Valuable Player uh, is the chorus of Don't Blame Me. It just, the way it is structured, the way it sort of drops, the way that the, the EDM track sort of is like bouncing off the lyrics here. And I have the actual chorus here. It's uh, Don't Blame Me, Love Made Me Crazy. If it doesn't, you ain't doing it mm. right. Lord saved me. My drug is my baby. I'd be using for the rest of my life. When I first heard Lord save me, my drug is my baby. I'd be using for the rest of my life. I literally had to like rewind and be like, did I hear that correctly? Is she, <laughs> is she really saying that just now? But yes, she's really saying it. So that's my Mercedes valuable player for this. Like I said, I already jumped the gun. This is a conditional wreck for me. Almost a light recommend, but again, you know, I can see why this is not going to be someone's cup of tea, but I think it's worth a shot. Mason, what is your Mercedes? So here's my, uh, I hearted one, two, three, four, five, six tracks on my two go throughs of this album. Wow. Uh, those six don't blame me. Delicate. So it goes, Getaway car dancing with our hands tied and dress in my Mercedes valuable dancing with our hands. tied. I don't know. I like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and that's your right brother <laughs> uh, here's my Mercedes Valuable player it is also a line from a song this is from So It Goes 
You did a number on me, but honestly, baby, who's counting? I think that's who's just, counting? Who's counting? <laughs> I think that's just a really clever line. And she lets you know that she's proud of it by repeating it a bunch towards the end of the song there. And uh, with that, we have no choice but to stand, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that she's... I don't think, honestly, I don't think Taylor gets enough credit for being as a clever a songwriter as she is. I think she's a very, very good lyricist and um, very fun little turns of phrase there. Very smart. Uh, so that's what my Mercedes Valuable Player is for this here album. Aya, do you have a Mercedes Valuable Player? And then finally, how do you recommend <laughs> the album Reputation by Taylor Swift? I think I also like conditionally recommend it. Okay, that's fair. Because I was the one who brought it onto this podcast. But like literally, like if you were like, I mean, I obviously I'm like a Taylor Swift scholar. Like people regularly are like, all right, what am I listening to? You know. But like if (laughs) if someone's asking me like, all right, like what's my, I'm going on a drive. You give me one TS album to listen to. It's not Reputation, that's for sure. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) I think it would probably. I think I would probably have to be like, listen. I would pick Reputation because it's a wonderful driving album. I I really, really uh, became, like, I don't know. It's, I was about to say, I became friends with it when <laughs> I, like, <laughs> every, every, like, four months, I get really into, like, exercising and running. I, I started to, like, run again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. one... You know, like one day I was just like, what do I have? I guess I have reputation like on my phone already. I was popping on and it's like the cadence of it is perfect to like start slow and then you build to a run and then you go back and you kind of go slow again and then you run again. And so it's like the perfect running album. It's just Damn. a really, okay. it's a solid, I don't know. It's a good standby for me to just be kind of like, I want to like go friggin' nuts in my car in the next hour over the next hour. Yeah. So mm. I think that, I would, it's a conditional recommend for me. I would have to be like, listen, you're just gonna, if you just wanna go friggin' nuts, listen to Reputation. Um, my fave top five is Getaway Car. I literally ranked the entire album um, on my notes app. Oh, <laughs> Very scary. <laughs> no, I like it. I have all her albums ranked. Um, number one is Getaway Car. It's incredible. I literally wish that I could like bottle the feeling when I first heard it. Uh, I love Dress. I love Call It What You Want, which is a fave. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that one slams. Uh, I love Don't Blame Me, obviously. As I noted in my review, I believe that would make a perfect addition to a Gone Girl musical. Uh, <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> um, and I love Delicate a lot. I love Delicate. Uh, that was a good single okay. choice. My, I will say before I leave, she picks the fucking worst singles because, as you noticed, none of us picked any of the singles to be one of our favorite songs. I picked Delicate, which is as close as you get. Because Delicate was a single. Mm-hmm. Her lead singles from this album were Look What You Made Me Do, Ready For It, and Endgame, which is the one with Ed Sheeran rapping. Dude, Endgame is Endgame brutal. is so that rough. And brutal. honestly, I'm so happy that she put that right off the top so it could be like, we're just going to get it out of the way. We we got Ed Sheeran. We got we'll just Future. Get it over with. Let's get it over with. And Future. And- Ed Sheeran and Future. What the fuck are you thinking? That's crazy. We're going to just get this stuff out of the way. I will say, though, like, (laughs) I'm not going to listen to Look What You Made Me Do again, I don't think. And I kind of dreaded having to listen to it again for this podcast because I don't think it's a very good song. I did like it more in the context of the album, I'll say. It gets, like, it's probably a C- song for me. It bumped up to a C. (laughs) Um, Sure. Listen here. It's, It's not a thing that happens a lot, but I just... I don't know. Not a not a particularly uh, good song. But all right. So does that close the book on that there, on that there album? Because we do have a movie to talk about. Oh, brother. 
I will say yeah. my Mercedes. My Mercedes. Oh, that's true. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Mm. Uh, it just. I will say it goes to um a, the combination of Tom Hiddleston and Jack Antonoff. Um, for <laughs> because Getaway Car is about Tom Hiddleston and Jack Antonoff laid his gorgeous little fingers on it and it's a perfect song yes. and I thank them thank both you. for that song. Yeah, and thank you for the little segue because I do just have I don't have a ton of fast facts for these, but I do think it's worth noting two things on this. Okay, Slant Magazine, which I've never heard of, uh, Slant Magazine put Reputation. On its end of decade list for the 100 best albums of the 2010s. How about that? Okay. They That's put psychotic. it at number 88. It is psychotic. <laughs> but they put it at number 88. So pretty much right at the bottom, you know, last still, you know, quarter still, or whatever. They, they, they put it above a ton of other albums, which is interesting. <laughs> Yeah, that's a couple albums that were not better than Reputation. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other little fast fact that I just think is a nice little coincidence, and I literally didn't do this on purpose because I actually did the song parody before I found this out. Max Martin, who is one of the producers on this album, also produced and wrote Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. Yeah, Max Martin's like the guy, basically. Like, his fingers are over fucking everything. That's, That's pretty funny. That's pretty cool. Good fast fact. So... There you go. That's Two little fast, fast facts there. Uh, speaking of going fast and having oh! facts. Uh, oh! Oh! <laughs> Segway King! Segway yes! King! <laughs> he Segway Kinged us! Oh, boy. Yeah, I did. Absolutely just fucked you guys up on that one. But we're talking about 2007's Hot Rod. Claps, 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 claps. I, uh, I told my Hello. dad that I was recording an episode of the podcast tonight. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, we're talking about Reputation by Taylor Swift and Hot Rod. And he looked up from his plate and said, why would you talk about both those things together? (laughs) Completely slammed. That is the Alexandria Lehman starter kit baby. (laughs) (laughs) So to answer Matt's question, Shout out Matt Marger, father. Hi Matt Marger. Thank you. King. Yeah, they not gonna not gonna listen to this episode. <laughs> or doesn't listen to any episode of the pod. <laughs> so he'll never find out, and I'm not gonna tell him. But if Matt were to listen to this episode or listen to this podcast at all, why pick Hot Rod? Undervalued. It's an undervalued film. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Valid. Rated. Valid. Yes, I'm in there. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. What's your relationship with Hot Rod? I'm very interested, actually, to hear everybody's relationship because I know I actually do have a little bit of a relationship with this film. So we'll start with you, Aya. What is your relationship to Hot Rod? I think the funny thing about Hot Rod is that, like, everyone does have, like, a weird, like, this is how I found this movie because it was so small and, like, no one fucking saw it in theaters except for the people who showed it to me. But, um, like, it was so, it was such a tiny (laughs) film, weirdly. Um, It's one of the last great, like, SNL TM movies, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So, because it was made while they were like doing SNL. Anyway, um, no, I picked it because I think no one talk. I, I feel like everyone who like at this point is like on Letterbox.com and like film Twitter TM. Ugh, vomit. Um, everyone at this Thank point is all. Thank you for saying vomit after film. Twitter yeah, TM. this will be so the much. one and only that. time we mention film Twitter on this podcast. If I have my say about it. <laughs> Uh, I just feel like everyone's kind of like we're all kind of together. We're like, well, Hot Rod is a, is a masterpiece. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, 
But I saw it for the first time when I was in middle school and I was like addicted to SNL because I was like 14 and was like, what is this? Uh, and my <laughs> friends saw like they I don't even remember, like they went to go to a movie. It was sold out. Something happened. They ended up just going to go see Hot Rod. Like it was, you know, I feel like that's like, yeah, a cute, they ended like, up at Hot Rod. Yeah, that's like a middle school, like before you have a phone and like anything, you, your, your mom dropped you off at the movie theater and you're like, well, we can't go see, you know, Harry Potter six. So I guess we'll just go see friggin', you know, yeah, exactly. Hot Rod. We'll go see what, Oh, I like Andy Samberg. Let's go see this on like a summer afternoon. And they were like, this movie's a masterpiece. You have to watch it. The second it comes on DVD, you're going to come over and we're going to watch it. And I was like, okay, sure. Whatever. I don't know what this movie is. <laughs> and I remember watching yeah. it for the first time and being like 14 years old and being like, that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. I've I've loved it ever since. I always show people. I'm always like, you seen Hot Rod? And most people are like, I don't know. And I make them watch it, and we die laughing in a different scene. And I like literally have it like category. Like I have it like collected in my memory. The parts oh, totally. that my closest friends laughed the hardest at. Like every time I watch Aww. it, when he like rolls down the hill, I'm like, oh, Rachel, die at that part. Um, yeah, it's like my favorite movie. <laughs> That's so it's, nice. Like, truly, like one of my favorite movies of all time. I like got. Noah, you may be familiar. Uh, there was a bomb cyclone that hit Oregon last November. Yes. Uh, it was very scary. Roads were closed. I <laughs> quite, like. I, I feel like I say, like, I almost died, but, like, I truly, like, it was a tough af- tough evening for us. We had no chains. <laughs> okay. We were stuck in a pass. I had to sleep in my friend's wow. car on the side of the road. Wow. It was very yeah, scary. Yeah, wow. Uh, yeah, it was very stressful. And I, at the time, was, like, very into Bill Hader. And so when I got home, my parents were, like, dying. They were so scared because they, like, couldn't come get me. Roads were closed, snow everywhere. So I was, like, it was Thanksgiving. Sure. And I was, like, you guys, all I want to do tonight is, like, eat pie and watch Hot Rod. And they were, like, we there can we do go, that baby. for you, honey. So, like, literally after, like, <laughs> this, like, perilous, like, a- encounter, I was, like, I just need to watch Hot Rod right now. Hell yes. Um, awesome. I have a tattoo of the number, the year 07 on my arm. Um, and oh my like goodness. It, it's an inside joke, but I always say if it's, a, it's a matching tattoo. It's an inside joke. And so I always say if something goes wrong with the person I'm matching with, I can just say it's an honor of 2007's hot rod. Nice. <laughs> nice. Damn. Okay. Very good. Mason, what's your relationship so, with hot rod? So, uh, didn't see it in theaters. I hadn't seen it until uh, I'm gonna double check my letterbox actually while reading this. This movie was shown okay. to me. This movie and Plug. this movie was shown to me <laughs> by my sister. And okay, shout so, out sis. Shout out sis. And um, I did promise her I would say this on the pod, and now it feels like a good enough time as I need to do it. Um, but <clears throat> this is a special shout out to my sister Kellen. Um, thank you so much. Anyways, uh, <laughs> you know. That was insane. (laughs) That's her favorite part of that movie. She said, can you, can you do that on the pod? And I said, absolutely. So she showed it to me because, um, in college, this was in her, in her college years, this was a big movie for her and her friends that she lived with. Like they dressed up as, um, Rod and Kevin, uh, for Halloween one year, they would always do, they would like make PowerPoints in their house and like to convince the other other roommates to do stuff and play like the hot rod soundtrack underneath it. Like this is a huge movie. For That's amazing. Her. The hot it, rod soundtrack fucks. The hot rod soundtrack. <laughs> yes, is it a does. Fucking slapper. Um, one of the best times. Uh, so on December 28th, 2016, uh, I think everyone was in kind of a post Trump election haze still sort of, 
pre-inauguration. She's like, let's watch. Uh, I'm back from L.A. It's after Christmas. Um, and she's like, let's watch Hot Rod. This is this movie my friend showed me. It's really funny. And I had, like, known about it because, like, I feel back in 2007 when I had my video iPod and I was just downloading movie trailers to watch on my video iPod. I had the Hot Rod trailer downloaded so I could watch it on my video iPod without ever actually seeing the movie, which is a thing that I did a lot. <laughs> And uh, no shame. That's just what I did. I did that too. That's really weird. I did the exact same thing. Whoa. Yeah, this is the cool kid podcast all of a sudden. This is yeah, the- I didn't do that. You got <laughs> yeah. all fucked up for that um, one. <laughs> but, so I hadn't seen it until then. And I don't know if it was just like my kind of just general depression from, from that period of time. I didn't have a job going back into LA. So I was really like kind of in a funk. She showed it to me and it was, I thought it was funny. And it kind of just kind of came and went. And um, I, my review for that one, for that entry was, A better examination of male insecurity and their naively held pipe dreams than the Iceman cometh. And you know what? I stand by that. Uh, fuck to Eugene O'Neill. Just kidding. I like Eugene O'Neill. He's just fine. But basically... That was wild. <laughs> so basically... Yeah, that, I hated that. <laughs> I had seen this movie I love before. it. I had seen this movie before. It didn't leave too much of an impression on me. And honestly, I felt like I, because it was like, if you're on Letterboxd like I am, it's kind of the most active social media that I'm on. Uh, I guess aside from Instagram or whatever, you do see Hot Rod pop up a lot on there. And it is this sort of like millennial Zoomer-ish, if you want to call it, kind of like cult favorite that's been kind of like captured by by us, basically. Um, but I, based off that first experience and my kind of just like memory of my emotion at that time, I had not thought to return to it, uh, until this podcast. And I don't want to get into my thoughts for this viewing until we hear what Noe's story with Hot Rod is. Cause I think he has something, a little something cooking over there. He's got something cooking. Over, this chef is friggin' cooking. He's in the kitchen. I see him over the stovetop. He's yeah, light. The chili is he's, simmering. <laughs> he's lightly oiled that pan. He's got some garlic there. He's got a little... <laughs> Little shallot, getting it. <laughs> Just throwing the chicken as hard as I can into the pan, being like, "Stick, goddammit, come on!" So, I did see this movie in theaters. No way! Yeah, oh yeah, I was ten years old when this movie oh, came God, into I theaters. God, I wish that was me. Baby <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. And so I see this movie in theaters. My dad takes me. I think this is a PG-13 movie, right? Yes, this is like it is. Very yeah. much. It's actually very much a PG-13 movie. I think there's one instance of the word fuck. And get they the don't fuck even off give my it porch. Main... We'll do. Yes, get the <laughs> fuck off my porch. We'll do. Yeah, they don't even give it to a main character, which is pretty baller of them. Uh, and so I remember seeing this in theaters. Really wanted to see it. It was right around the time that I was starting to watch SNL, and I was just obsessed with Saturday Night Live. I loved the Lonely Island guys. I loved – I didn't realize that they were basically the, like – maybe they didn't create the digital short. That was probably more of a Robert Smigel, Adam McKay thing, that, like, to create the digital, shmor- the digital short. But they were basically the ones that made it pop off. Like, Lazy Sunday hits in late 2005. Yeah. YouTube is, like – first coming into its being, you know, like digital content is like actually becoming somewhat of a thing that people know what it means. And I just remember being obsessed with Saturday Night Live, obsessed with the digital shorts, didn't realize that they were called The Lonely Island. Like I just didn't really think of it that way because all I really knew at the time was Andy Samberg. And that was the only Lonely Island guy that I really like knew about. Didn't care for Yorma or Akiva. Not that I didn't like them. I just didn't know about them. So my dad takes me to go see this in 2007 
And just like immediately, I'm like, this is one of the best comedies of all time. This <laughs> is like so goddamn yeah. good. I just loved it from like start to finish. And I remember this is the only visceral memory I have of seeing the movie in theaters. I really had to pee, like super bad, haha, <laughs> super bad. I it just came out the same year, uh, <laughs> and it is that actually is fucking crazy. Uh, so I was like, I don't want to pee, I don't want to pee, I don't want to pee. I really have to pee, or else I'm just gonna have such a terrible time watching the rest of this movie. And I actually like notoriously pick bad times to go oh, and leave no. the theater oh, to go dear. use the restroom. I remember when I saw Baby Driver in theaters. No, I left to go take a shit in the middle of <laughs> the movie, which is just what? the worst. I no. Just, I just had to go so bad, and I left to go take a shit during the middle of Baby during Driver. Baby Driver! <laughs> <laughs> and I just, it was at the AMC in Orange at the block. Oh, and God. I was like... <laughs> I was like, this will be a perfect time to leave. Like, no problem. Like, I'm with my friends, and I, like, whisper to my buddy. Uh, and I'm like, hey, will you just tell me what I miss? Like, you know, this seems like an okay time to leave. He's like, yeah, sure, whatever. I leave. I go take a shit. The song Wish I Knew You by the Revivalists was playing over the loudspeaker. And I was like, I'm going to Shazam this because I like this song. And then I did. And that's probably what really fucked me up. Because when I get back, huge gunfight absolute balls to the wall like oh my god couldn't believe i was like what the fuck did i miss so the gunfight ends the shootout ends it's like in a garage or something i can't 100 percent remember maybe in a dark in field. the warehouse where they're going to get the the <laughs> weapons yes yeah paul williams and, is there yes, yes i think it was that but whatever it but whatever exactly was going on i just like let that scene play out i'm like oh fuck i missed something really important and so i <laughs> lean over to my friend and i was like what happened he's like dude i can't believe you left just then and i was like fuck man come on and it was like right when spoiler alert for baby driver which i just don't know if we'll ever talk about on this show i don't know if it really fits the umbrella, but either way, spoiler alert for Baby Driver. It's you also everybody... kind of have to put an asterisk next to 99% of that cast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, the Baby Driver himself, no thanks, and then himself? the Baby Driver's boss, no thanks. Yeah, anyway, that was like when everybody turned on the Baby Driver, and that was like when they, like, he realized that it was basically like a double cross situation, and I left right when that information was revealed. With Hot Rod, I left like right basically right when he does the big jump and i like watched what? him do the big jump what as he's like going over and he falls off or whatever i'm like okay i saw him miss the jump like now i'm gonna run to the bathroom and run back and i leave i pee really fast and i come back and all i see on screen it was like coming into it literally was like coming into the gates of heaven because it's when he's hallucinating <laughs> and the grilled cheese and the taco are fighting each other and i was like Oh my God, they're fighting each other. That's so That's cool. Amazing. And I just <laughs> loved that. And so we left. And not only do I have that memory of it, this is one of those movies that I always think of for a summer movie because yes. it came out yeah. during the dog days of summer. It came out on August 3rd, 2007. Yeah. And it was like right before I think I had went back to like, what was it? So 2007. So yeah, right before I went back to like fifth grade, if you can believe that, that's crazy. Wow. And so I literally was just like, 
oh my god, like school is coming soon, and there's that terrible feeling that you hit in the pit of your stomach when like summer's ending and you know you have to go back to school. And I hate the first day of anything. I think it's like the worst. I just fucking hate getting back into the swing of things. And so this was like I always think of this when like summer's ending and it's really fucking hot outside. And so that's my long-winded way of saying this is one of the best comedies ever made. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, I was so glad when you said bring it on the show. I actually never thought about it as underrated because in my head, it was just that good. Like I was like, oh, that's not underrated. People love Hot Rod. And then going through Letterboxd, I was surprised. People didn't like it actually as much as I thought. And I was like, you dumbasses, come on. What are you missing No, and that's the thing. Like I was reading about the movie's um, reception and it really was not – it wasn't universally liked. It wasn't. It was kind of. It was a mixed bag of reviews. Uh, our, our boy Raj gave it three out of four stars. Yes, he did. And he has a really good review, honestly, of this movie. A really considerate review, which I like, and I want to. I read got a, a bit pull from. quote actually from Raj. Do you mind? Well, I got some fucking quick? pull quotes too, oh, my guy. Shit. Okay. All right. Go for <laughs> it. it. it no, I don't want to do this now. I want to wait till the end. Yeah, it's going to sum Ebert, up my fucking yes. king. Okay, um, king. But what I love is that, like, I was reading this, and it got, like, a kind of mixed bag, mixed reviews, but, like, Andy Samberg and the crew and, like, the kind of creative team behind it, including Lauren Michaels, were all like, no, this is right on track for the kind of movie that this is supposed to be. Like, this, totally. they really were aiming to make something of, like, an enduring cult comedy classic when they made it, and they didn't do it by, like, trying to ape other cult classics. What I really admire about this movie so much is that they tried to make a cult comedy not by, like... Um, uh, uh, aping sort of like former cult comedies, like a, a, a Caddyshack a, or something. Exactly, or an Animal House, or trying to remake Airplane, or trying to do fucking I don't know, like a I was gonna Naked say Pulp Gun. Fiction. Naked Gun, yeah, 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 yeah. They just like we want, like they were just. What I love about this movie is that there's such like a um an earnest, sincere um love oh, and appreciation of like every single character in this movie and just a, a sincere commitment to making every single second just fucking pop and like make it hilarious. Um, which is like the most important thing for a comedy to be. And it's, it's, it's interesting cause I don't think a lot of people know this, but I think the most important thing for a comedy to be is funny. And, um, if what? you're a funny person, yeah, no, no I, <laughs> Can Again, you say the, DMs are open. Over time. This, this is the hot. This is the hot take show. This is where I'm getting all my hottest takes out. I think the most important thing for a comedy to be is funny. I, I don't think that. <laughs> Whoa, um, okay. But what right. I love about I'll, this movie yeah. is like everyone was just committed to making just a really fucking funny movie here, and especially like it's a studio comedy. It was released by Paramount. It was like produced by Lauren Michaels. It was based off of like a script which was written for. Like uh, for Will Ferrell back in the day, that's Hot Rod wow. himself. Actually. Yeah, I was just about to say Rod Kimball taking the big jump right, right into right a million dollars. <laughs> um, but uh, it's 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 great and it's like kind of enduring because it's just a funny movie made by people who like I think love comedy and love just having fun with each other and just putting that on screen. It's uh, it's so good. You you can't not like Hot Rod. I don't think. I know. You are, you're a big dummy. The thing about Hot Rod and the reason, especially why you, you, when you mentioned reception, I did this like really dumb, I don't usually participate in like Twitter challenges or whatever, like RT if you, or like RT with a movie that, like I don't usually do those. But there was one recently that was like, okay, you need to find a movie that's like 
that you genuinely like, like that it's not like you're like, oh, so bad it's good, that you genuinely like that has a score lower than like 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. And the audience mm. and critics score for Hot Rod on Rotten Tomatoes is like is lower than fifty percent. Like they're both like rotten. Oh, and I breaking my heart. Doesn't make right? sense. I literally, I like, I was like, no. I like, I remember being like, I don't know if I can participate in this because like I don't, I, I, I definitely could. I have shitty taste in movies, but I was like, let me just check. And I just googled <laughs> Hot Rod Rotten Tomatoes, and I was like, this is a nightmare. Are you kidding? Ugh. <laughs> and everyone I know loves it. Like, I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. It's dumb. I, I think that there's beauty and dumb humor. Also, like, it holds up immaculately. Like, I tr- watched oh, it yesterday. And, like, there's, I don't know. It's hard to watch a comedy from 2007 where you're not, like, uh, it was a different time, you know? Like, that. Right. This, exactly. Yeah. yeah. They, they truly are, like, not trying to be offensive, not trying to be racist, sexist, homophobic, whatever. They're truly just kind of, like, let's just vibe and have a good time. Like, What's your guys' and what's your guys like, favorite line from Hot Rod? <laughs> well, I will. I just want to say really quickly, it does help that we are entering like the age of the himbo, and this is a himbo movie. Yes, oh, like, yes, absolutely. I was gonna say that. It's such a himbo movie. This movie is literally like Bill and Ted's like sweet, sweet son, who's just like, I thought a pure, about you, Aya. wholesome himbo. I thought about that because I was like, I know Aya loves a himbo. Like, I know Aya, it just, like, loves, stands himbos. And I was thinking that while I was watching, I was like, damn, Rod, big-time himbo. But the thing about a himbo is they normally mean so well. And so does Rod. Rod means so well, couldn't be, like, doesn't have a mean bone anywhere in his body. No. Except maybe when he's trying to fight Frank, and that's not really a mean that's bone. What, but that's so... <laughs> That's what I love about this movie and, like, Rod's, like, kind of, um, the, the kind of plot of this movie is, like, Rod is doing an altruistic thing just so that he can beat his stepdad's ass. You know, like, that's, <laughs> yeah. he's like, I gotta save my stepdad here, but so only I so can I can best him. him in combat, which is, like, whom amongst he, us, he, you know? He like, just it's wants just... his approval. He's like, I, he just wants his respect. <laughs> yeah. And what is so also amazing about this is that a lot of the time with a when you put when you call a movie a comedy, it's very easy, especially some bigger comedies now. It's very easy to be like, because we're making people laugh, we don't have to care as much about costumes or locations or blocking or something, you know, like it's very easy to just be like, ah, we're just gonna make people laugh, we're gonna push those things aside. It's easy to do that. But in Hot Rod, not only are the costumes pitch perfect, the locations, I just, every time I go through Rod's neighborhood and we go, you know, see those homes, the way that they have the like flat, you know, front and the garage that is like slightly below the stairs level. Like I'm like, that's the perfect neighborhood for Rod and his like homies to live in the way they're hanging out on the lawn, you know, the way in that the scenes are lot blocked. Of, the ga- of like the, the like mini Mart. <laughs> Yes, and the way that they, the way that the Bill Hader's character works at a ice rink, and just the way that the yeah. ice rink looks, like all these details about this movie, which now I feel like you know you you can skate by on something like maybe The House with Will Ferrell, you know, and Amy Poehler. Where it's like we don't have to like care about that. We're just trying to make people laugh. But you can tell they cared. You can tell they really put you know time energy, effort, resources, and thought into all those decisions. And that's why I think it holds up so well is because everything about it feels so specific and so deliberate, even though at the end of the day, 
you know, it's stupid humor and they're just trying to make folks laugh. They care so much about making you laugh that they want to make sure that Rod, his like Rod cape is the right red. You know, they thought about that or the, you know, mm-hmm. they want to make sure that like that flyer looks a certain way. Just all the attention to detail in this is astounding, especially for a quote unquote comedy, you know? Awesome. I, I totally agree. I think like it's, it's such a bummer that we've like, as a culture, sometime after 2007, 2008, decided that you couldn't make movies for less than, you know, $40 million, basically, anymore. And I think, you know, when you have kind of... This movie was made for $25 million and made 14, which is just like, you know, you gotta... It's a tragedy. It's a big... It is a big tragedy. It's the worst thing that happened. It's the worst thing that's ever happened in this country is... (laughs) Yeah, you're you're correct. That was the fall of this country. (laughs) (laughs) When you have less money to work with, you're forced to be more creative. And it comes through in this movie where, like, you know, the Bill Hader character has, like, a specific look and is, like... And same with the Danny McBride character. Steve Austin shirt. I know. Yes, his little like um his little visor that he visor. wears. Uh, I love Isla Fisher's El Camino shirt that she or oh my God, that she obsessed has. Obsessed with that shirt, it's perfect. Um and yeah, and like you know they shot in Canada, some beautiful locate in Vancouver, not like um and they found like a perfect little small town, like the, the kind of like. And I love that this is a small town movie too. Like this is a movie about like just your oh I mean, totally. You know, Andy Samberg called it like you know this is a movie about the local it, like the village idiots basically. Um, and it's uh, you know you got these <laughs> lush scenery, you got lush greens, you got lush like kind of uh, forest clearings for Andy Samberg to do his like um, go to his happy place. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I need it's interesting also. <laughs> well, to answer your question, I. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I actually heard somebody to answer your question about what's your favorite line. A lot of the times with movies and someone said this and it sounds so like straightforward, but it's actually true. Like I'll watch a movie and then I'll forget like 99.9% of everything that I just saw. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or it's like, Oh yeah, I watched that. Don't remember a single fucking thing about it, you know, but like, I remember loving it. Like even my favorite movies of all time, most of the time I don't fucking remember anything empty, about baby. it. I'm just Head like, empty. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much, baby. You know, listen, maybe Noah Marger, you know, celebrity himbo on the podcast. Ah! But, <laughs> but, I, uh, I'd say. yeah, I know you would. And so, <laughs> um, but the part that sticks out to me as far as like coolest line, because it's tough. I feel like it's sometimes tough to pull like that line. The cool beans part where they're just saying cool beans to each other back and forth. That solidified that as like a thing to say going forward yeah. for me at least in my life so to answer your question original question that's my favorite line cool beans is my favorite line of the movie. that cool beans moment i would say goes on the pedestal with the kind of um mid-movie break of persona in just terms of things that just kind of completely destroy the reality of whatever you're watching oh, I and love it. it's it's i love that they like that that's <laughs> I don't know how they were able to fight for that to stay in the movie. That they just, like, the movie's plugging along. It's, you know, it's kind of elevated. It's wacky. We're having a good time. And then all of a sudden, there's just this weird, like, kind of glitch rap, I guess, section of it. Where they just edit I admire it. It's great. Uh, I had to answer your question. I also am like, Noah, I'm a big head empty kind of guy. Um, don't Lines from movies just do not stick with me if I haven't seen a movie half a dozen times i don't think yeah, <laughs> I think it's exactly. about time it takes for me to like kind of absorb the dialogue i will say though uh i think that there's almost nothing funnier to me in a movie than a bad kiss 
So my favorite line in this movie is the bad kiss at the end of this movie. So good. <laughs> what is your favorite line, Aya? Um, ugh, it's so hard to pick, but I, I think I realized it because I say this line all the time because I love, okay, it takes some context. So basically it's like, it's like right after, and maybe one of my, I think might be my favorite scene in the movie. It's right after um, they have met Will Arnett. And so yes, Andy Jonathan. Samberg is just like being <laughs> yeah, Jonathan. So Andy Samberg is like livid. They're eating at the like restaurant they always like outside the restaurant they always go to, and yes. he's like, I think you should dump him. And she's like, what? yes. And he's like, hey, look, Dave's back. And so then Dave comes back and he just comes up and and Bill Hader delivers this line. I'm in love with Bill Hader. Like, let's just put it out there. He delivers this line immaculately. He just goes, the bathroom here is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> You don't know what it means. It could be terrible. It could be awesome. <laughs> and like, and the context, because in an earlier scene, Rico says, you who shit heads, I just found a bag of fireworks in the men's restroom. Would you guys like to let them up? <laughs> and it's just like, uh, what's going on in this bathroom? I love that line. I say it all the time because I love to go to a restaurant and go to look at the bathroom. And I always am like, the bathroom here is nuts. <laughs> the bathroom here is nuts. That is a great part. When you said that part, it's crazy is that there's so many good lines. I thought you were going to say that your favorite line is, yeah, you should dump him. Like that is like, <laughs> I thought that's what you were going to say for the favorite line, just to go show you how so jam packed it is. Oh, um, when, when they're the, like, uh, when he's like, you look pretty. And she's like, what? He's like, I said, you look shitty. Said good you night, look Denise. Shitty. <laughs> good night, Denise. So good. Now at the beginning of the episode, I teased that there is a John Wick connection to this. Yes. And that John Wick connection is of course, Mr. Ian McShane. Oh my gosh, of course! Yes. I can't believe it! Yeah, he is a powerhouse in this movie. The He is so game. (laughs) He is so game for this movie. To have worked with both the Lonely Island and Keanu Reeves, I literally don't know Mm. what to do. (laughs) (laughs) You if you met that man, I think you would just be a fucking puddle and then I'd be like, I want your life. He, he is he so unbelievably go for it mason i'm sorry uh here's my thing about ian mcshane he is just unbelievably attractive as like even as an <laughs> old man i don't know i he's just like so he's hot man i don't care i think that's ian very valid pretty hot. that is that is valid and i i i see you i i fully you're totally right i hadn't thought about it that way He's like a very <laughs> handsome man. Like he he wears a suit gorgeously in John he's Wick. A, like you get like why the, Sissy Spacek is married to this. Like Sissy fucking Spacek is married to this man. You're like yes. Also you understand why you understand why Rod eyes, man. You understand why Rod wants to prove his like masculinity to this man. You're like no, I get it. He's fucking Ian McShane. <laughs> He's yes. like Ian McShane is definitely the alpha of that community. You know, like he is definitely like. The, the kind of had, uh, the kind of like the alpha wolf of their community, just like by sheer force of charisma almost. You Everybody know? knows where he lives. Like, it's like you go to that house if you need something or if he invites you over. And that is it. That's you know, it. like he's, he's the Vito Corleone of <laughs> that neighborhood. He's like, he's like, come to me on the day of my son's big jump. No, no, I'm not going to help you. Come on. <laughs> get out get out of my house you <laughs> fucking idiot 
So that's incredible. That's that. I would just, it's important to bring up Ian McShane because in a way he's kind of, I'm not going to say he's the secret to the movie, but he's one of the reasons why the movie works so well. And the yeah. like you just said, Sissy Spacek is in this movie. She is an esteemed actress. She's been nominated for Academy Awards. I don't actually know if she's won an Academy Award. I don't have that information in front of me, Didn't but... Who knows? Possible to know. You can't look it up. <laughs> so it's just like crazy <laughs> that there, <laughs> there are this level of talent surrounding this, and they all play it so, so earnestly well. and so sincerely, and they're committed and they're into it. And that is why this whole thing works as well as it does. Mason, uh, are you looking up Sissy Spacek as we speak? No, uh, I was not. I was actually going to pull up the um, the one of the Roger Ebert quotes that I had. Somebody, <gasps> yes. Uh, this is so. Here's one. Here's my first Ebert quote, and then I'll look up uh, Sissy Spacek. No, I'll, I'll look up Sissy Spacek while you read the Ebert. Okay. Quote. I got so you. here's uh, this is from this is my first uh, Ebert quote that I want to read. So three out of four stars he gave this. Much more considerate than a lot of his peers. This is kind of like. Uh, I, this is when I was reading a lot of Roger Ebert uh, as a kid, uh, this era. Uh, so, this is from the Wikipedia. Chicago Sun-Times critic Roger Ebert gave the film three out of four stars. This movie is funny because it's sincere. It likes Rod. It doesn't portray him as a maniacal goofball, but as an ambitious kid who really thinks every single time that he will succeed. In creating this aura of sincerity, Hot Rod benefits from SpaceX performance. She plays the mom absolutely straight, without inflection, as if she were not in a comedy. That's the only right choice. Supporting characters are needed to reinforce Rod, not compete with him. Uh, I think that's such a great observation, and I think really points out one of the strengths of this movie, which is, as we were saying, the ensemble cast here. Because it's like, I don't know if this is, like, if it started on the script level, it's, you know, smart script, I think, also. Shouts out to Pam Brady, screenwriter of this movie. I got um, a little thing about that, but continue what you're saying, because there's actually a little bit of a Joker's trick involved with Pam Brady, but continue. Ooh, um, but what I was saying is it's like, the movie does, to Roger Ebert's point, the characters in it do reinforce Rod and his kind of, you know, silliness. And it's like, what I like about this movie is like, his immediate circle of friends are kind of on a slightly more elevated level of just goofballery than he is. Um, and then there's like the kind of Ian McShane character and the Sissy Spacek character and the Darlene character to kind of just, like, ground him and ground that sphere. And I think that's a very smart way that the filmmakers have sort of made this a familiar sort of ecosystem and a familiar sort of environment for the audience because it's, like, you're probably, like, you know, everyone thinks that they're the Rod and the friend group, and, you know, all your friends are just, like, probably slightly more elevated versions of yourself as you perceive it, and then your family is there, and they're your fucking family, and they are on a completely different world (laughs) from you almost, but they're there to support you, ultimately. Uh, I just think that's a nice observation, and I just wanted to shout that out. Um, that is a nice observation. And uh, we're going back to the Sissy Spacek thing. Not only has she won an Oscar, she is a six-time Oscar nominee. She Whoa, has been Sissy. nominated. Yes, uh, yes, yeah. queen. Yes, we got big, 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 big sp- Sissy Spacek respect. Big Sissy Spacek respect. So here we go. 1976, she was nominated for Best Actress in a Leading Role for Carrie. Carrie. That was her first nomination. Next time she gets nominated is in 1981 for, and she wins for Coal Miner's Daughter, where she plays Loretta Lynn Mm -hmm. on screen. 1983, she's nominated for Best Actress in a Leading Role for Missing, which is a movie with Jack Lemmon. Oh, the Costa Gavras movie? Yeah, the Costa Gavras movie. Uh, The next year, 
1985, I guess, the 1985 Oscars. Uh, she gets nominated for Best Actress in a Leading Role for the movie The River, which I Sick. don't know anything about. I've heard about it's directed it. by Mark Rydell. Uh, who directed The Cowboys, which is a famous movie on this podcast because I watched it during spring break. My he also directed um, the Bette Midler movie that we watched. What was the it Rose. called? The Rose. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, Mel Gibson's in that movie, by the way. So there you go. Um, <laughs> in 1987, she's nominated for Best Actress in a Leading Role for the movie Crimes of the Heart. Okay. Which is a movie I've also never seen. Directed by, I believe, Australian director Bruce Beresford. Uh I believe that's how you say it. Also directed Driving Miss Daisy yeah. and Breaker Morant. Uh, and then in 2000, the 2002 Oscars, she was nominated for Best Actress in a Leading Role for the movie In the Bedroom, which is directed by Todd Field, who plays Nick Nightingale in Eyes Wide Shut, and directed the movie Little Women. Uh, or not, <laughs> directed not Little Women, Little Children, excuse little me. Children. Oh, directed I was little psyched. Children. I was like, okay, <laughs> Winona. In the, <laughs> in the Bedroom's a really good movie. I really like that movie. And she's really good in it, too. Uh, so that's the Stacey Spacek Oscar love affair, torrid love affair that she has with the Academy Awards. I didn't realize she was um, like that many. Go off, Ms. I know, Spacek. go off. Now, can I just bring something up real quick that is possibly a little bit of controversy on our hands, and then I want to talk about Pam Brady, Pam Brady, the writer, the credited writer of this. Mm-hmm. So the Hot Rod comes out in August of 2007. Mm-hmm. We can all agree on that. August of 2007 is when this movie comes out. In December of 2006, there's a little show on the air called Family Guy, which is running on Fox. Oh, my God. (laughs) And there is a moment in Family Guy in season five, episode eight, called Barely Legal, where Stewie and Brian have a joke where Stewie cannot say Cool Whip correctly. And he I says, was gonna ask cool about this. I was gonna <laughs> ask you about this. Oh my god! I remember say this. Cool quip correctly, and then Brian says, "You're eating hair." That's the big joke, and then Stewie spits out his food. Ha ha! Very funny. We love that show. It's a very good show. Funny talking baby. Funny talking dog. <laughs> funny talking great baby. Show. Funny great talking show. dog. He's ambiguously gay. It's funny. He wants to fuck his teddy bear. Very cool. Uh, in Hot Rod, there is a joke where Rod cannot say whiskey. whiskey. Correctly, he says whiskey. Say for whiskey. whiskey. Say what? Which way? Did they steal it from Family Guy? I don't know. <laughs> Were they watching Family Guy and go, "That's got to be in the script for Hot Rod"? Who's to say? Parallel thinking, maybe some Amy Schumer action going on here. Who's to say? <gasps> well, I don't know because I was reading that Pam Brady wrote this because I think she was a writer uh, or on the staff for SNL and was She's developing separate. this as a wealth. Uh, thank you, Aya. Uh, was developing this as a Will Ferrell project, I believe. Uh, so what I have, but all here, that being said, not sure if the cool, if the, the cool, if the whiskey line was it part of that earlier draft there. Or so not. I she think they probably had a, already shot the film. See, that's see, that's the thing. It's like parallel thinking. Did they have shot it already? Were they waiting for it to go into distribution? Were they editing at this point? Was they it a reshoot? Were Who done. knows? It was a, re- it was a so, whole reshoot. They watched the Family Guy episode, and they were like, we've got to get a reshoot and pay everyone to go back and do the scene. I mean, listen, if it's a funny enough joke, sometimes you got to steal from the best. you got to steal you take from, from Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> take from Seth MacFarlane's, you know, final destination ass of uh, surviving 9-11. has not? I know, I know. Listen, I, I, I'm guilty of it. I'm one of the most guilty guys of stealing from the greats, which is Seth MacFarlane. But... So Pam Brady, here's the thing I wanted to say about Pam Brady. She wasn't a staff writer on Saturday Night Live. She was a former staff writer on South Park. So oh. she 
knows Will Ferrell, I guess. She's writing. They guess they know each other somehow. She's writing this for Will Ferrell while he's on SNL. <clears throat> I think, I don't know exactly when Will Ferrell leaves SNL. I want to say it was like 2003-ish because Old School comes out in 2003. I feel like that's like Will Ferrell's yeah. like mm-hmm. first big movie after SNL. And again, I don't know. I'm just going off the top of the dome here. And then Elf, obviously, is mixed in there somewhere. He's rocketing to fame. Kicking and Screaming, which is a movie I want to bring on this podcast. That movie's fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> and they get this movie. Uh, Lauren Michaels is in talks with Pam Brady still, obviously, because the Will Ferrell connection, wanting Will Ferrell to do it. It gets kind of stuck in development hell. And there's, and he's keen on Andy Samberg. He loves Andy Samberg. You know, he loves what the Lonely Island are doing. Like I said, because YouTube was popping off, digital content was huge. Should go off King. Thank you, Andy Samberg. And so they basically say, we'll do the movie. You know, we'll get this thing going if it can be the Lonely Island guys. You know, if Akiva can direct and Yorma can be in it and Andy stars Andy Samberg. And basically Pam Brady's like, deal. But then the Lonely Island guys go in and rewrite the entire script to better, like, like be attributed to their sensibility of humor. Oh, I think okay, it's okay. barely, barely, I don't know how much it was changed. Maybe it was barely changed. Maybe it was very much changed. I have to believe because the Cool Beans thing <laughs> stated in the movie that it was very much changed for their sensibilities and their humor. So... But they're not credited writers. They gave Pam Brady full credit. You know, she's the sole credited writer of this. But they went in and they redid it and basically made it their sense of humor. And so big shout out to the Lonely Island guys uh, on that one. And again, maybe I'm jumping the gun here. But my Mercedes Valuable Player, I actually have a co-Mercedes Valuable Player for this one. And the first person I will be giving my Mercedes Valuable Player to is the Lonely Island guys. It's obvious, but... It doesn't really work without them. You know, the movie's not the movie, I think, without the Lonely Island guys. Akiva's getting to direct, who is... I don't want to say Yorma or Akiva is, like, the, like, secret sauce of the whole thing. Like, who knows? Like, they work as, like, a little unit so well. But you have Akiva directing. It's his directorial debut, which is amazing. that This is someone's directorial debut. Yorma plays Kevin, the stepbrother, who's just perfect for that character so he is just so perfect for the like little brother who's actually like way smarter than rod but, like <laughs> just wants the approval from rod so it's nice and then you have andy being in the movie you know leading the charge so to speak it's written for him with him in mind so my you know my first co mercedes bible player goes to the lonely island boys my other co mercedes bible player I think it has to go to Ian McShane, to be honest with you. Like, I think I have to serve it up for Chef Ian McShane on that one. Like we were talking about before, we've pretty much hit on it already. But, like, he's just phenomenal as Frank. The movie is, you know, plot-wise centered around him. So he kind of has to be, like, convincing enough of a force to be like, you want, you know, Rod to save this guy, like we were saying. And then every time they fight, it's just so destructive. And I just feel so bad for Sissy Spacek having to deal with these men in her life. And I'm just like, God damn it, guys, keep it together. Take it outside, you know? So at the end, those are my, like, oh, they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That ending sequence, like right after, like after everything's been like resolved and they're like breaking through literally the house and that like backyard barbecue. Mwah, chef's kiss. Love it. Is there anything else anyone really wants to drive home about? Yeah, I, do you have any, what do you have anything else you would like to bring up about this movie that hasn't been covered yet or you have some other takes on i don't know i mean i just think it's so good it's so pure it's so fun i feel like everyone i've seen i i feel like everyone i know has watched it and loved it but maybe you just need to watch it i think that's the thing about like a cult classic if this can be considered that just yet 
I think you have it is. to watch yeah. it with other people who really love it. And so I think if you're watching it just by yourself and you're like, what's the deal with this? You're not, you might not love it as much. I think you need others around you. I don't know. Himbo masterpiece. I just love how wholesome it is. I love that. There's truly like nothing. It's just so fun. Um, I love the scene where there's the riot. I think it's so goddamn funny. The soundtrack slaps. Yes. Yes. So funny. Oh, good point. So, good so point. good. All the Europe on it is amazing. My friends, I used to listen to it on repeat. Um, no, my Mercedes valuable player, uh, is, um, my king, my, my boy, uh, Billy H, Billy Hader, uh, so I think he's just like so good in this movie. It's so stupid, but like the, like the scene where he, uh, I, I think it's, I think it's notable that the big scene where Rod basically like turns around is when he takes bill Hader to the hospital and like i know it's weird to say but i really think that that scene proves like the depth that bill Hader could secretly give this entire time totally yeah like the way he's so sincere and he's just like hey man i don't know and you're and the way he delivers it so simply like it's just it's as if it's just happening in real life i don't know that sounds so stupid but he 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 just he bill Hader really masters realism i feel in his pieces like in barry and in this yeah he's so good at just like true like just like any conversation that he's having on screen could be a conversation you just had with like your roommate you know it's really beautiful and even the way he like falls to the ground in the hospital sequence like after he's literally like hospital trash can and then he's like thanks and he's like thanks and he goes in and then there's this moment where he just like falls to the ground and like people are like taking care of him it's it's weirdly emotional because it's like I don't know. I love Bill Hader. I think he's really talented, and I think that it's no surprise he's, like, won all these Emmys now. And I think that Hot Rod was weirdly, like, a window into that. No, I think that's a great point. Barry is really a showcase of what Bill Hader is capable of. I want them to get season three going as quickly as they can. (laughs) I know. I know. That and Better Call Saul. We were, like, literally, like, about to go up when COVID hit for, like, shooting season three. Fuck. God damn it, COVID, come on, baby. Come on, bro. Um, we could have season three one, right now. I know. One thing that I do want to say before, Mason, you give your Mercedes Valuable Player that IAU touched on is watching this with other people who really like it, I think maybe part of the reason why this was mixed, you know, to be generous at the time, was that the people watching it weren't the target demographic. The critics yeah. who were watching it weren't the people who really were going to get the most out of it. This is like right as quote unquote internet humor is starting to like really become mainstream. You know, a lot of the sensibilities from online are starting to bleed into real life that we, you know, now just take completely for granted, especially, especially right now during a pandemic where seemingly everything is done virtually or, you know, removed from reality. And so I think a lot of the people watching this just, weren't the right audience and so when you get people watching a movie like this and they're like sucks not funny don't get it blah 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 it can hurt you know when you have the wrong people watching the movie that are supposed to be like the voice of what the movie is and shout out big time to roger ebert for being you know smart enough and aware enough to be like hey listen i might not be the target demographic for this but i'm still gonna give it three out of four stars so i just think it's important to emphasize what you brought up aya so thank you for saying that mason So here's what is your Mercedes? So here's uh, uh, my Mercedes valuable player uh, is the editor for this movie. Malcolm Campbell. Uh, Big, big, big ups. Very big ups to Malcolm. Uh, I think watching this movie uh, and there's a I didn't write it down because I'm a a dumbass, but there's like 
a hard cut in this movie towards the beginning that is so um just is it the very beginning when he like vomits and then it's like cut to like titles (laughs) (laughs) it might have been it might have been a little later but i think that this movie is just immaculate immaculately cut and paced I think editing, um, the first thing that a comedy should be is funny. And if you're making a funny movie, I think that editing and the role of the editor when crafting a comedy is really, um, absolutely is really kind of crucial and kind of under, under appreciated. I was looking up Malcolm Campbell's, um, other credits. He cut the two Wayne's world movies. He nice. also cut, um, he was in a, I think he was, an, uh, uh, one of the editors on the Blues Brothers. I believe the Blues Brothers had multiple oh, editors. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah. Well, veteran action going on Yeah, here. yeah. I think his first movie that he's credited as a, as a editor, like a solo bolo editor, is an American Werewolf in London. Oh um, my god, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> Cut that, cut Trading Places, cut, um, Holy the shit. two movies. Yeah, actually, like, uh, actually a king, honestly. I was really happy looking at this. This is one of his what last movies. He hasn't cut too much after this. Um, but I think he sounds old. this movie. <laughs> probably old. And it's like, you know what, kudos to him for just being like, these kids are bringing in this movie about a stuntman. I don't know. I'm just going to get this thing together. I'm and sure Lauren Michaels was like, I got this, don't worry. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly. But He's still, tight with Lauren. Yeah, still, I think this is just a, a tremendously cut movie, and so just ca- shouts out to him. Uh, my one last Roger quote that I wanted to share is his last. It's from his last graph in the, of this uh, of this review here, and I, I really think that this kind of ties up all my thoughts about this movie into a little bow here. So we, I quoted a bit earlier where we he's talking about the characters in this movie. This is from. Uh, later he says all these characters and some of the conflicts are familiar from other movies but hot rod puts a nice spin on them it's funny pretty much all the way through even in the final showdown between rod and his stepdad i have seen countless movie fights that stagger the imagination but this one goes over the top and comes down on the other side just what rod would like to do someday wow (laughs) (laughs) he always gets it yeah, I know, and that's what I think is so special about this movie is that like, this is a movie about a bunch of fucking losers whose hearts are in the right place, and no one's gonna tell them no. Exactly. Um, and it's so it it's it's goofy, it's wacky, um, but it's not like grotesque or anything. It's not like bad hearted. It has such a a love for these characters and it just puts you in a good mood watching it. You just want to see these people succeed. You just want to spend an hour and a half. It's 88 minutes long. You just want to spend 88 minutes with these folks. And honestly, I would love to spend more time with these people. Um, It's just, it's, I, you know, maybe to start this conversation now, uh, just to finish wrapping things up, but this is, a no holds barred full recommend for me. Like watch this movie as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, pause the podcast. Now watch this fucking movie full recommendo. It's like, watch it with your friends. My parents like this movie. Like this is kind of, um, uh, a movie almost for anybody, I think. And if you don't like it, then get your priorities fucking sorted. Um, okay. That's, uh, that's what I think. Um, Noe, I, how do you feel about this? This is your motion picture. Uh, I just want to say great pick uh, for Malcolm Campbell as the editor. I almost picked him as my uh, Mercedes Valuable player. So excellent pick there. Uh, Yeah, this is a full recommend. This is not only one of the best comedies, I think. I just think this is just straight up, like, of all the movies I've seen in my entire life, if I had to pick, you know, the top whatever percent, the top 5%, whatever that number is, this is in it. This is, like, one of my favorite 
movies of all time. It's a great comedy. I love to watch it. And it is silly that like on sites like Letterboxd and on sites like FilmTwitter.com slash Big Dick Energy Film Guy, uh, that comedies aren't treated with the same respect a lot of the time. And I know that there's a lot of bad ones out there, but when you get movies like Hot Rod or you get movies like Anchorman or you get movies that – or comedies, rather, that really are that good, I think they need to be treated, treated with the same respect – as something like a Jurassic Park or something like, you know, an In the Mood for Love. I legitimately think that there needs to yeah. be a little bit more respect on movies that really do rise to the occasion like that. And I think Hot Rod legitimately is one of them. So full recommend from me, Miss Aya, please round us out here. Do you recommend Hot Rod? No, I don't I don't know. Uh, yes. Like... All right. Epic. Oh, Very epic. Yeah, she did the bit. She did the bit. She did the bit. I did the bit. Of course I recommend Hot Rod. It's a perfect film. I genuinely am like, no notes. Perfect movie. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Amen. Well, I think that's it, Mason. I think think we we did did it. it. I think we did it. I think you're right. Aya, thank you so much for coming on the show. Boy, this was such a treat. I had so much fun. I'm Treat so for glad. us as well. Thanks. Uh, where can folks find you if they're interested in uh, in you? Me? Um, okay. Uh, so you can find my Twitter and my Instagram at Aya L-H-M-N, which is my last name with no vowels. Uh, on Letterboxd, I'm Aya Lame Man. Um, and on, okay, you can find me. Okay, yes. Epic. <laughs> epic. Okay, it's a little uh, twisted. Um, you can find me... <laughs> Please uh, log on to merrygoroundmagazine.friggin.com. There's a lot of good stuff going on over there. Lots of good TV features that I'm hoping to be publishing soon. Uh, And then also, if you like the sound of my voice, which might be deranged, uh, you can listen to my (laughs) friggin' little podcast, my cute little podcast called Aya vs. the Big Boys. Um, All of the episodes that we did for the Patreon are being slowly but surely released on Spotify and YouTube. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all that good stuff. But I think when this comes out, when is this coming out? Next Tuesday. Next, yeah, next, next Tuesday. The 29th. Actually, I looked it up. That's going to be Ian McShane's birthday. We're dropping this oh, on McShane's wow. birthday. Yes! Happy Woo! birthday, King! Yes, King! <laughs> uh, okay, Libra King, first of all. Anyways, um, <laughs> like I think like two weeks after, I think our first episode will drop on like October 7th, which is my birthday. Um, we're starting season two of I also the birthday the of this Boys. show. <laughs> is it? <gasps> yes. What That's in the first episode premiere. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I love I that know. for us. Great day. Um, <laughs> my season two of I versus the big boys will be starting in October and a special little, uh, little treat for the listeners of this pod. I'm going to say Kevin's not here, but I'll say it. Uh, all of October, we're doing some spooky movies oh, for we go. the podcast. Okay. I'm so excited! Yes, it's all about. So will that be on the? Seen, so. Will that be on the unlocked feed, or will that be on the? We're uh, main feed month? now, baby. We're on main feed wow. only. Oh, How about Apple that? Pod, Stitcher, like subscribe, listen up. It's fun. It's yes, fun. Chef. I will say, all you know, uh, that uh, that will be my little recommendo for this week is that podcast, I versus the Big Boys. Very fun podcast. Uh, it's a very fun podcast. So wait, can we do like a really quick? Can we do something really quick? Can I do something really quick? Yeah, what's up? Yeah, 
a segment that I'm obsessed with on my program is hottest of the flick. And so I'm wondering if we can just really quickly uh, drop our hottest of the flick. Um, <laughs> yes, we can. I yes, think we can. mine would definitely, it's probably Andy Samberg. Um, Bill's cute in this one, but he's not as hot. <laughs> he's got the like long wig. I'm not super into it. So I think Andy takes my cake for hottest of the flick for hot rod. There we go. Mason, next. You got to take this one. I don't know, man. I think for me, it's still Ian McShane. I don't think there's anyone yes, that's hotter in this movie one. besides Ian McShane. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we're going to go with that. Nice. Noah, who's the hottest of the uh, All right. I got to give Co hottest of the flicks for this one. Uh, I don't even know her name, but the girl who works at the little restaurant, yes. the cashier. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of them. And then I got to give it up to Ian McShane as well. Yes, Damn, what a so man, what a man, what a mighty good man. Great. So, thank you so much for Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Thank Appreciate you for bringing that. that on the um, show. You can find the podcast on Instagram on it's underscore, the, it's on underscore the list. On Twitter, at it's on the list pod. On Facebook, or by sending us an email. Everybody wants to, the number two, get on the list at gmail.com. You can find me, Mason, on Instagram at hotdogdebicki, hotdogthefooddebicki, elizabethdebicki, or at goodskytonight, where I'm taking pictures of the sky when it looks pretty, which is all the time. Uh, I'm also on Letterboxd at Mason Maguire, M-A-G-U-I-R-E, my name. I'm also on my other podcast, The Barn, a podcast about the shield. Uh, like I said, I think my recommendo this week would be Aya versus the big boys. And, uh, yeah, Chef Noah, what else do you got for the folks this week? Oh, baby, you can follow me personally on Twitter.com, at Moa Narger. You can follow me on Letterboxd, Moa Narger, that's where I am. You can follow me on Instagram, at Noah.Marger. You can, hmm, you can listen to my other podcast, my favorite podcast. Oh, hit the dab on that one. All right, ready? (laughs) Three, two, one. (laughs) Hit the dab for the solo pod venture. Thank you, chefs. Uh, when this episode comes out, you will be able to listen on Thursday. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out on Thursday, I will be talking with everybody's favorite tweeter, Sienna Kresge no! about her time. Yes. I'll be talking with Sienna Kresge about her time working on Holland America lines as a entertainer on a cruise ship. How so about that? Diving that. Yeah, so we will be talking about that. A little bit of a different episode, you know, not necessarily talking about a movie or an album or a video game or whatever. We're talking about someone's favorite job that they ever had. And who? Not a lot of people can say that they were an entertainer on a cruise ship. So that'll be fun. Yeah, you can follow that those socials for that podcast at my favorite underscore podcast on Instagram and on Twitter at my pod. Uh, my little recommendo, my little other recommendo is everybody's favorite, uh, everybody's second favorite member of YLG, Federico Busiglio. Um, he just released some music, uh, and that is on Spotify now as well. You can look up Render Boy, that's R-E-N-D-E-R Boy, on Spotify and Apple Music. Uh, it's called Small Computer and Jockstrap. Small Computer slash Jockstrap. It's really interesting. It's very funky. It's very creative. Very happy for him finally getting that out there. I know he's been working really hard over quarantine, over the pandemic on music. So shout out to Fed on that one. And then, of course, you can also follow YLG.world. That's YLG period on Instagram for content whenever that comes out. And you can follow us or you can subscribe to us on YouTube. YLG, your local government, comma. So 
Uh, that's it. That's it. All right, folks. <laughs> As always, Black Lives Matter. Black Trans Lives Matter. Abolish, defund the motherfucking police. Uh, go vote. Go save the United States Postal Service. Tell someone you love them. Uh, buy a plant. Uh, blow a kiss. Do something to make someone feel appreciated. And we will see you all next week for the one-year anniversary of It's on the List. That's right, baby. <laughs> see you guys next week. So fun! Let me stop recording.